So on this podcast, we, we normally start with like a little bit of improv, like a little intro bit. Do you have any ideas or anything cooking? When you do the improv, who'd you do improv with? Uh, what? Hmm. Okay. So you fancy yourself a journalist. Would you say you're friends with Scott Colton? Uh, no, I know a Scott, but not a Scott Colton. <laughs> so you're not friends with him? Oh, wow. No. Wow, that makes two of us. What? What? <laughs> My point is, if you fancy yourself a journalist, even if it's for the silly world of professional wrestling, and you have journalistic integrity, people who report things, most of that are bullshit and slanderous lies against myself, if you are friends with somebody, if you're not friends with them, I apologize, but you should probably disclose who you're friends with. I, 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 I mean, I guess. I'm hurt, I, and I'm old, and I'm fucking tired, and I work with fucking children. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry for our character. We're all learning here, Romy. It's okay. This is from Mindy's Bakery, by the way. It's a great place in Chicago if you like pastries and baked goods. You should go there. They're oh. closed on Mondays and Tuesdays, though. What? <laughs> Heard you're turning 34, you old piece of shit. And uh, I heard you got a dog named Brady. Nobody gives a shit. And I also heard you're a big fan of Dragon Ball Z. Wardlow, don't you like Dragon Ball Z? Hmm, shocker. That's because he's not a weeboo piece of shit. Kame, Kame, go fuck yourself. hyperfixation where our friends come on to our show and tell us about things they're excited about for 30 to 45 minutes or longer because who cares the timer is a lie my name is roma ostman i use the they and them pronouns and today i have a very special guest on the podcast with us i have my very good friend the one the only chris hutton you know, you'd be surprised how many Chris Huttons there are. I'm really not the only. Really? Yeah, there's You're so many. You're my only Chris Hutton. Thank you. But if you Google me, which like, you know, you might want to do occasionally. But when you do, like, I, you, there's no way in hell you'll find me. There's so many generic Chris Huttons out there. You um, should add them all into a group chat and uh, meet up somewhere so, and fight to the death. Actually, funny story about that. Uh, we'll go on a <laughs> tangent before the hyperfixation starts. And what, I mean, you, Roma, you're part of my... Uh, like my my high school friend groups group chats so you know mm-hmm. how like weird and like mm-hmm. you know how like well like someone will start a hypothetical bit and then it just like goes off the rails from there because someone will grab hold of it and run you know and it just like goes <laughs> somewhere weird and unexpected so at one point we were it was when i was in my first year of college we somehow got the idea of like let's all find someone with our name on facebook uh make our profile picture their profile picture and then it friend request oh, them no. to see what they do. <laughs> and oh so no. I made my profile. Yeah, actually, I think if you, oh, I could, well, is would it be bogus to put this person's picture in your hyperfixation discord so people can look at it? If you, I'm so excited. If you're friends with me on Please. Facebook, you can go back through my profile pictures and you'll eventually find a guy who is not me and his dog from when I did this. Um, but then, yeah. We'll have a timestamp and everything. I, I think we even did something where it was like, um we would make our picture their picture friend request them and then block them so that they just had the experience of like wait a second there's someone out there that like has my picture who requested me but then now i can't like talk to them i don't know we were just being fucking like 
that maniacs would give me like yeah an existential crisis yeah but like yeah there like for there's probably some poor person like at our high school who is like why do all my friends look different today <laughs> like on facebook because we all <laughs> changed our profile pictures to random people who shared our name or you got unfriended because they're like who is this yeah it's so funny because that was like over 10 years ago but i can still perfectly summon the picture of the guy to my head like i would recognize him like i'd recognize myself <laughs> <laughs> you look into the mirror it's yeah. you and your dog <laughs> yeah yeah it's the other chris Hutton. but let's see here so chris yeah i'm just gonna jump in i'm just gonna grab a hold of wherever i'm falling sure should i introduce myself absolutely okay so Who are you yeah. what do you do i'm chris Hutton. you've probably heard me on moonshot stuff before if that's why you're listening to hyperfixation um i am mostly at the these days a comic book writer and a writer of other stuff uh i have written some episodes and helped produce uh, additional postage required, the Space Mailman uh, audio drama that's on Moonshot and stuff like that. Former mm -hmm. Mario Party champion, yeah, yada, yada. Um, but most relevant <laughs> for today, I am a former professional wrestler of uh, five years. You know, I honestly, like, I've known that you had this wrestling career, but I actually don't, I realize I don't know a whole lot about that uh, that part of your life. Like, I just knew it happened, but I don't know, like, detail details we could you know do what I mean? we could do a whole like three episodes just on that if we you know we talk, there's a lot we just of talk about your wrestling yeah days. i got a lot of stories i will say um and uh i don't the listeners i now you get to know about this so i went to chris's wedding i had the honor of this year going to chris's wedding and i have to say how incredible it was to be like yay i'm at my friend's wedding and then to have all these like incredible human beings just being like look at this pair of human wonderful amazing incredible human beings with like so much talent and we love these people so much like it it was so emotional so it's just in like all of these people from all different parts of your life like your friends your professional family you name it like it was absolutely insane because like, i a handful of them were from your wrestling days too if i remember correctly yeah even like yeah there were some there um you uh <laughs> you probably say that to all your podcast guests compliment their weddings <laughs> Yeah, I've been to all my podcast <laughs> guests. <ways. laughs> Thank you, though. That's really nice. I mean, you told me before, so like, mm -hmm. um, I was a little, I knew what to expect there a little bit, so I could prepare a joke instead of just accepting the compliment. But thank you. That was really <laughs> nice. It was a good wedding. Very good wedding. Um, but yes, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about that history, or do you just want to say that? Sure. You yeah, did it? I can give a little. I can give a little more juice. Um, yeah. So I, I, I was a back. I, I like first got into wrestling at the age of actually no. The first thing I want to say before the bet, I'll wrap the bet before we lose anyone. This is my like mission statement. If you are kind enough to be listening to this despite not already being a wrestling fan, my goal is to try to get new people to give professional wrestling and particularly this wrestling company a chance. Just want to say that off rip, so that if anyone would be swayed by that. They can hear that and be like, well, I'll stick around like, but like, OK, yeah, now we'll go. Um, so I. I discovered wrestling at the age of 13, my best friend, which is actually late for most wrestling fans. Most people, it's like they were kind of died in the wool because like their dad or mom was into it. And so they grew up watching it. 13 is, mm -hmm. is kind of late for people that you would usually hear be um, getting into it. But um, I had a friend who was kind of died in the wool because like his dad and his brother watched it and whatever. And then at one point he um, he brought over one of the video games to my house. And this is another like unusual thing about my wrestling journeys. Most people get into it from watching the actual product. But I got into it from the video game first because he basically just presented it as like, this is a fun video game we can play. 
And even though I didn't know anything about wrestling and was probably predisposed, like most people, to not like it because all the things you hear, it's like, it's fake, it's trailer mm-hmm. trash, it's a soap opera for rednecks, yada, yada. Um, hey, yo. I gave it a chance and I played the game and I fucking loved it. Um, we, we played the shit out of Smack, the original SmackDown versus Raw on the PS2. Great game. Um, but then at some point, I, we played that for months and then I was uh, in a GameStop one day and they aired a commercial for uh, Monday Night Raw on USA, WWE's uh, Monday Night Show live show and i saw john cena on the commercial like oh i know him from the game i know these other guys like i should just like try watching it one time and the first mm-hmm. segment i saw uh just like utterly hooked me and i was like yep okay this is my thing now um so fast forward a little like a couple months from there i start backyard wrestling with my uh my brother and our friends and stuff and so mm-hmm. like we are adopting around characters we are poorly attempting the moves we've seen on tv mm-hmm. we're recording all these shows i have on my youtube channel i recently uploaded the, the old yard youtube channel the very first episode of our backyard wrestling show the very first thing i did i, f- I forgot this till i watched the footage back the first thing i ever did as a backyard wrestler was accidentally punch my cousin in the face for real um oh no but yeah it's so good <laughs> so i did backyard wrestling for seven years and then in the midst of that which is a big no-no you're not supposed to do this but i was i was simultaneously backyard wrestling and being trained professionally in my senior year of high school well no between like the year of like my junior to senior year that that time period that year um from one grade to the next uh i it just so happened that a local professional wrestler that i was a fan of on the independent like scene like the small shows you'd go to like a local gym and see you know some guys you'd never heard of but like some of them were, were good and one guy was really good and i was a big fan of him it turned out luckily for me that he happened to be in a band with all my friends at high school. And the guy at lunch was one day yeah. just like, you want me to see if he'd train you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. So um, I got hooked up with him when I was a junior in high school. And I trained for a year under him, like twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays after school. Um, and then I had my professional wrestling debut the day after my school's prom. Um, and hey, went to went to college after that like i was supposed to like a good boy and so i didn't Mm -hmm. i only had two i had two matches basically it's kind of like in the first one wasn't hardly even a match that's on youtube too um and and then i went to college and then i was sitting at school just like fuck like i don't want to be here i want to be chasing my dream of being a pro wrestler so i drop out of school um and my like best wrestling friend and i moved to canada to train with former WWE wrestler lance storm it goes horribly I come back home and oh, I start no. on the independent scene that I used to watch with my trainer. He gets me started on his shows that he would run, uh, the same ones I went to as a fan. Um, and then I rose from the Davenport, Iowa indies uh, to eventually traveling uh, a lot of states. And I wrestled in Canada and Japan, um, two-time tag team champion with my partner, Stevie hey. Pierce, the one I dropped out of school and did, took, the, took the dive with. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, that's a, a relatively short summation of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm confident there's like a shit ton of like really good gold nuggets I'm, uh, within I'm, that story. Yeah, I'm writing a book. So you got to tell me when that book's done. Yeah, I yeah, I will. Perceive it with my own eyeballs. It's it's going to need some cutting. It's over 400 pages right now. Bruh. Yeah. And so with this history of yours with wrestling it's yeah. it's obviously near and dear to your heart it's been most of the majority of your life and um so how does that uh how did that lead you into 
our topic for today. Yes. How did you discover about, uh, I mean, if you, if you want to go ahead and introduce it, I won't take that away. From yeah, you. no, we're going. So I just like, this is the podcast where I can like be an annoying asshole nerd and just like talk a whole bunch. Right. <laughs> That's Absolutely. what this is for. All right. You don't have to make it pretty. You we're can, going. You can just let it fall out of your mouth. <laughs> okay. So, um, God. All right. So for many, many, many years, WWE was a monopoly in the wrestling business. Um, their last competition, like the last real competition was in the 90s, uh, a company called WCW, which eventually uh, WWE purchased. And so they kind of won what was called the Monday Night Wars, where the two shows would air their episodes against each other. And the fans have to decide, am I going to watch WWE tonight or am I going to watch WCW? And it was like a huge thing. Um, that was when the business was at its biggest um, in terms of like the general mainstream public watching it that's like the rock stone cold steve austin like undertaker like that kind of era um but anyway so they were at a monopoly for a really long time and eventually in a monopoly you stop having to really try as hard because you have no competition um and so they would do things like you know bring up celebrated wrestlers from the independent scene and like kind of ruin them like not do things well with them they would mistreat their employees they would um their product just wasn't very good after a certain point in my opinion um, I particularly got really jaded because like going to WWE was my dream at one point, And then I just like, couldn't even stand watching it anymore. And so it was a real fucking bummer, but that's part of why I think I'm establishing my bona fides here because like every bit of praise that I'm about to give this new company, AEW is like, you have to weigh that against like how bitter I was about wrestling for so many years. Like, like mm-hmm. my friends probably hated watching wrestling with me because the whole time I'd be like, well, this fucking sucks. That guy's not even good. Watch this. You see how he like fucked that up. Oh, this like mm-hmm. this guy's not believable. Da, 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 da. Like I, I would just I would rag on wrestling way more than I enjoyed it. Um, <sighs> but AEW oh started basically it's the story. It's a little company that could but also has like a billion dollar backing because um, some independent wrestlers who like WWE was probably never going to give a serious look to. Um, they all kind of banded together. Um, and started their own company and they they ran a show in chicago just to see if they could do it uh it was called all in in 2018 and tony khan the son of the owner of the jacksonville jaguars is like a huge wrestling fan and also rich and he sees this show and he's like hey like this could be something and so he teams up with these wrestlers and they make this company all elite wrestling and it's like the first like competition for WWE in like decades where They're scooping up like all the best, like overlooked independent talent and all the guys who were like rubbed wrong by WWE, like and like, you know, trying to do it right, trying to make Mm -hmm. a a new, better wrestling company. Um, So that's like a general quick historical context for it. But yeah, so All Elite Wrestling starts uh, officially in 2019. Um, And yeah, I I love pro wrestling and AEW in particular, and I want them to find a bigger audience. So please take this episode as my impassioned plea for anyone who is or becomes remotely curious about AEW or wrestling in general to check out an episode. Um, But it's kind of cool, even just in a human interest kind of way, because it's like these kind of, uh, I don't know what to call them, like these entrepreneurial sort of spirits. These like, I think, so it's like, I'll I'll start using names, Uh, Kenny Omega the Young Bucks, uh, Cody Rhodes, those are the guys I associate. They're called the Elite. Um, I think Hangman and Page might have been there as well. But um, that's where the Elite in the name comes from. Um, mm-hmm. But they went from running this show in Chicago as a test, basically. And people, all the naysayers were like, they can't draw 10,000. Um, and they went from that to they just had the highest paid attendance for a wrestling show of all time at Wembley Stadium in London uh, 
last month. And Dude, I was so hyped when I heard that. Yeah, it's, a, it was so cool. Oh, it was kind of hard to wrap my brain around because as a wrestling fan, you're trained like WWE is the biggest and WrestleMania is the biggest and like nothing else can ever compete with that. And it was honestly kind of hard to wrap my head around the fact like, no, if you look at the numbers, like this is a bigger show than WrestleMania than any WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. They outdrew any WrestleMania. It's insane. It's some crazy stuff that I mean, I don't want to get too, too, too deep into uh, that that most recent show at Wembley, but oh, my fucking God, I legitimately, I legitimately think that might be the best wrestling show I've ever seen. Like it was uh, so good. And I've been watching wrestling not- for like, you know, 20 years or so like and this thing with John Moxley when he stuck those fucking sticks in his forehead, <laughs> yeah. I died. I was, I was, I, it's not often that I get like such a full body reaction out of a wrestling show. Like, you know, of course I'm like, oh, they did it. That was cool. But it was never like a, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll definitely be talking about John Moxley at some point in this, but absolutely. So, um, and Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. I realize that um, the listeners don't necessarily know how much wrestling knowledge I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. You should and talk about so that. if it's a, yeah, if it's all right with you, because um, I'm sitting here, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute. I think they're just accepting the fact that I know that, you know, that I'm learning this and moving on. Um, and I, I also wanted to touch base on something you said earlier, but it's escaping me. But essentially, Oh, I remember now you said that it's uh, usually like people come from like wrestling fans come from wrestling fan families. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you, you're born a wrestling fan. Kind of. Yeah. Um, that made me laugh because I didn't actually get into wrestling until like the past few years of my life. Very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just like, then what am I? Well, am I, I the latest I should, bloomer? I guess I should be more clear. There, there are plenty of fans that. um that you know pick it up later in life my wife is one started watching like 2018 uh especially mm-hmm. while wrestling's become a little more socially acceptable you'll see more people getting into it that way especially in also like social media because like when mm-hmm. wrestling pay-per-views happen like people get annoyed because of how much their timeline is talking about wrestling um so okay. i think that's a difference too in era but I, I guess the biggest thing is like most wrestlers people who became wrestlers later on were wrestling fans their whole lives like Mm-hmm. It's not usually like I had all these separate interests and lives and whatever else until I was a teenager. And then I like decided to, you know, like that. That's a little bit unusual. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, so, yeah. You want to talk about your history with wrestling a little bit? Yeah, just a little bit. And then you also said that you started out with uh, getting into wrestling through video games. Yeah. And it's full sent me into my childhood. My dad, um, my both my parents had me kind of young. And on our PlayStation 2, he had, uh, I don't remember what WWE wrestling game it was, but I just remember I was playing as uh, The Undertaker, and I just decided that one was my favorite in the same way that I had Pokemon Stadium for the 64 and went Ninetales is my favorite and lived that way for the rest of my life. That's great. That's honestly, that's kind of how um, I would recommend people become sports fans is like you literally just pick a team for whatever reason and then have a little bit of curiosity and you can get into sports that way exactly um but what was it and then i think it wasn't until i was like 25 i've known tony and i feel like listeners of the show at least for a while now will know that me and tony have been together for like three years but i've known him for about a decade and so in the past like five years he's slowly but surely been drip drip feeding me uh like the big pay-per-views for wwe Mm -hmm. and then like going through the history with me or like with it's a whole group of us there's like 10 people who'd gather for this and he would be the one person who knows what's going on and like explain why that moment was important in the same way that you would do like well 
when you were saying that you were getting bitter about WWE and you'd be like, well, look at this, look at that. Like Tony kind of did that for us too. Yeah. Um, but I didn't actually start watching regular, you know, weekly shows until AEW came out and uh, immediately fell in love with Kenny Omega. So that's kind of like he's my undertaker in terms of like, I just saw one episode and went that one. That makes a lot I of choose sense. That, one. that makes a lot of sense. And I'm honestly kind of banking on the fact that the more we talk about Kenny Omega, the more of your listeners would be like, that sounds like a guy I'd like. I'll check him out. Oh, he is the guy. Yeah. And he's oh, and he's caked up. Oh, and I talked about him in the first episode that came out when mm-hmm. we talked about Sephiroth and Final Fantasy. Oh, yeah, yeah, you got to. So his uh, finisher his <laughs> finisher is called the One Winged Angel. He's a huge dork, like huge dork. Yeah, he came out um, to the Sephiroth song at uh, Japan's biggest show of the year, Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, this 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 year, my God, that I feels feel forever like it was this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so I guess now it's time for me to uh, get ready yeah. to firmly position myself on Togecon's dick for a couple hours. I'm just gonna like be like talking about how much I love this company, but. Um, absolutely uh, and I, if it's all right i'll interrupt you inter- intermittently yeah, and be like please here's do. something i have yeah <laughs> but no I'll let, I'll let you run with it i'm also gonna say well i was just telling like my household uh it's kind of funny like when you first made this show when you were first like pitching it i was like oh i don't think i ever really would have something that i could like hyperfixate about in that way i don't really think i hyperfixate like that but it's a great idea for a show and then like when the cm punk media scrum incident happened the infamous brawl out last year happened mm-hmm. i was refreshing twitter like, every like four seconds just like <laughs> looking at all the jokes trying to find news and scoops whatever and like i, I like I, this definitely qualifies as a thing that i get very 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 invested in and think about like a lot but um i'm gonna try to make my episode on here like specifically targeted because like if i were to get like really like if I was just talking to like a general wrestling fan or just kind of saying everything that I think and feel about the company, it would be one insufferably long, but also like kind of in the weeds. But I'm going to try to like, I'm going to try to guide my talking in this episode towards things okay. that I think people listening to your show might like if they were to give it a try. Like, I'm going to okay. try to sell becoming a wrestling fan by starting watching AEW to your audience like i'm gonna talk about things that like, i think would appeal to normal humans and not just like wrestling mm-hmm. fans okay and i do Sounds draw that like distinction i always uh, me and my tag partner would always kind of like compare it's like there's 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 being over with wrestling fans and i'm oh, sorry i shouldn't even say over that's like industry jargon um there's like mm-hmm. getting there's like being liked and appreciated and um having fans that are wrestling fans and then there's like being able to entertain normal people who don't watch wrestling um you know we always try to be the latter no i i actually uh i you know that i used to do fire performing correct yeah yeah that was a a huge thing that um this is probably my one far off tangent i'm gonna make uh so when it comes to fire performing like there was you know everybody who was in your industry you know how it goes you know what the use is but there was also it's one of those things that people come and stand around and watch you do the pretty dangerous thing in terms of like it's pretty and it's dangerous and pretty dangerous Mm -hmm. um but there was a thing where like uh i these usually it was dudes so these dudes would get really pissed off because they would do these really complicated moves and look at me i'm doing this complicated thing and then this very pretty girl in a cute outfit would do uh it's called a backbend buzzsaw and so they're like you just gotta do a backbend buzzsaw and then everybody's like oh my god that's the craziest thing when it's like you know very fairly easy thing to do if you're kind of flexible 
Um, but for context, it's where you take two poi, which is balls on a string, and kind of do like a buzzsaw and then in front of you and lean backwards. And people think it's like super cool if they're not familiar with with flow arts or fire performing. Um, and I always had to kind of remind them of like, I people don't know what the fuck you're doing. It looks like you're just wiggling shit around. They don't see the patterns you're making. Yeah, they know what she's doing. You got to kind of know your audience like flow for people in your industry and then flow for people out of your industry. Yeah, you're, you you said that that would be kind of a far off tangent, but I actually think that's exactly like what it's like to be a pro wrestler. It's exactly what it's like is is yeah, there are. I mean, like, yeah, there's 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 wrestling for a wrestling audience and there's making sure that like you're doing something that can entertain both crowds like that wrestling fans will like it and people who've never seen a second of it before can also get into it um yeah yeah so the first thing i'm going to say just in a general sense that i love about AEW is that i think there is a level of quality of storytelling and in-ring action and the art of actually telling stories through the in-ring action. So, and what I mean by that is like, so WWE in around the time that I started disliking it. So in like the early to mid 2010s, like I started turning on it in like, I, I was pretty turned on it in like by 2012. And then by 2014, I was like, this is the fucking worst era of wrestling that's ever happened. Like um, it, it became sort of a thing where like, I thought a lot of it was like really like cringeworthy and some people would argue wrestling's always been cringeworthy and like, you know, whatever, like, I get it. But um, yeah. I found it really cringeworthy and I felt that like by that point, their weekly TV shows were utter filler. Like you never had to watch anything. Like all the matches felt samey. All the performers felt samey. Like I would watch the pay-per-views and that could be kind of fun or they'd be terrible too, but, but like whatever. But like AEW is telling stories um, in a way that really appeals to me, both in terms of like the backstage and talking segments like WWE is good at, but also telling stories just through the wrestling. Because like that's what wrestling is when it's done well. It's not just like guys pretending to fight. They're telling a story and it has a, a three act structure of the way that a movie does or, you know, whatever. And you're, you're, you're performing and you're acting and like you're you're communicating with your face and your body and the moves that you choose to do and who kicks out of what when, you know, it's all storytelling. Um I also love, in contrast to WWE, where the the status quo there is that they have a team of writers that are usually from like Hollywood or something. They don't have to know anything about wrestling, um, which has its own. Oh god, I'm just like, how much I have to explain to like really get some of these points across. But that's fine. I love talking about this stuff, and people are probably interested. Maybe, hopefully. Um, oh, they so will be. Professional wrestling started in the carnival days, like way back, like hundreds of years ago or whatever. Um, and it was that like, okay, we are going to simulate fights because people will pay to watch people fight and we're just going to like not tell them that it's not real because then we can make it more exciting than an actual real fight would be and they'll pay more to keep coming seeing it right that's how it got started as a like art form of like people pretending to fight by trying to actually convince people that it was real um eventually you know it slowly over decades and decades kind of morphs to like okay people know now that it's not real but they're willing to suspend their disbelief and so we can still make cool art with it and then you every now and then will get cool, effective stuff where the lines get blurred of like that. I, you know, I know the rest of it's fake, but that guy, I believe that he could kick this guy's ass or I believe that he means what he's saying, you know, that sort of thing. Um, but so the tradition for years and years was that, um, you know, the wrestlers would like write their own material and not even write it. Really, they would kind of come up with what they're going to say in their head. They'd say it. Um, 
And then like the people that run the shows, the bookers or the promoters, they would kind of like have like they'd rather than call them storylines, they would call them angles because it was just sort of a general approach. Like, okay, we know that we want these two people having some kind of personal issue based on this. And then we'll like, we'll kind of plan out, okay, this is what's going to happen at this show. And then depending on how the crowd reacts and how it goes, then we'll come up with what's going to happen next. Um, in WWE, it's not like that. They, they really over script everything to the degree that they have their writing team um, mm-hmm. give just hand wrestlers promos to memorize. Promos are the talking segments that you've probably seen or heard of where The Rock goes out and says, you know, I'm going to beat Steve Austin if you smell what The Rock is cooking. Da, da, da. Like, that's called a promo. And so in WWE, they hand you a promo to memorize this. And it's like all kind of like stilted writing and everyone sounds the same because it's all coming from the same people and whatever else. In AEW, they let the wrestlers come up with their own um, material. They get to be more themselves. Uh, and they also get to like have a lot more input in their creative. Like they get to help come up with the stories that they're going to be part of. And I think that's always the best way to do it is to, I mean, obviously you want to have guidance and a, and a, and people in charge who know where they want to go. But letting the wrestlers participate in the story is way better. Much like you hear any like director say, like, "Oh, it got better when I let the actors kind of bring their interpretation to it too, and not just stick with what was on the script or what I had in mind." Yeah. Um, so that's a, a huge reason that I think um, the company is 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 working and is good. Um, to start getting into like individual specific pitches for things, one of the storylines in particular, the biggest storyline of the company right now is so the current world champion is MJF, who um, I love my shitty little man. Have I told oh, you my-, my personal MJF story? Oh, please. I was so when I was a wrestler, and that's one of the crazy things about AEW too is that um, because so much of the crop and WWE is this way too, but to a lesser extent, so much of the crop is coming mm-hmm. directly from the independent scene. A lot of people that I know and even wrestled matches with are in AEW. Like, um, but when I was uh, on the Indies, I was on two shows with MJF, and he used to tell me that I was his favorite wrestler. And you, you totally get, but like, if you know MJF, like, and if you later, mm-hmm. because of this episode, discover MJF, this will make total sense to you. I could never tell if that man was giving me a genuine compliment or if he was being a dick and fucking with me. <laughs> like, his, his whole thing is being a charismatic asshole. Like, that's his whole character. He's playing the role of a heel, the, the bad guy. Because um, the, the, the kind of number one interest generator, whether it's in a movie or in pro wrestling, is, okay, you have a good guy that you want to win. And you want to see good things happen to, and you have a bad guy that you want to see lose and have bad things happen to. And so the idea is that like um, a good bad guy will make you root for the good guy more. A good good guy will make you root against the bad guy more, and the, it sort of is reciprocal. It feeds off of itself, right? Um, yeah. So MJF is this classic kind of wrestling bad guy where he's like rich and pompous, and he wears a Burberry scarf, and he thinks he's better than everyone, um, and he like you know. Uh, calls everyone poor and whatever else. I, there's there's more specific there's critiques I could get into with MJF, but I won't bore everyone with that. Um, I've, the, I mean, I could talk if we if we just sh- I mean, we don't have to, but this is a funny ha ha pitch. If we shifted this whole episode into just about just MJF, about I would Jacob be Friedman. fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so MJF's character was basically the most dastardly shitty wrestler in this company, right? That was his character. Um, yeah. The fans started to like him because he was entertaining and charismatic in the way that he was a bad guy. That does happen a lot in wrestling, you'll see. Um, mm-hmm. I have some issues with the way that MJF's character in particular went that way. Not important for this. But they did this thing where they bring it, they they start a storyline, like a feud between him and this wrestler, Adam Cole. 
who was one of MJF's like idols when MJF was like a young fan. Um, and they have a couple matches and, and Adam Cole fails to beat MJF for the AEW World Championship. Uh, and then they get paired. They, the AEW does this tag team tournament where the idea of it in storyline, not reality, is that they randomly pick people to be tag team partners. And MJF mm-hmm. and Adam Cole get paired together. And at first, Adam Cole's like, fuck this. I hate this guy. I want to beat him for his title. And he's the worst human being I've ever met. I don't want to be mm-hmm. his tag partner. But over time, they start to grow and bond. And Adam Cole starts, like, they start to form a genuine friendship. And Adam Cole starts to make MJF into a slightly better person. Um, because mm-hmm. MJF is now seeing that, like, he can trust another human being. And, like, Adam Cole, like, wants to be there for him and be his friend and whatever. And so people start to really get behind these two guys, this friendship. And, like, they call each mm-hmm. other bro and all this stupid stuff. Um, better than you, baby. Yeah, that's the name of the tag team because MJF's catchphrase is, I'm better than you and you know it. And Adam Cole's, one of his catchphrases is, like, when he comes out, the crowd yells, Adam Cole, baby. So the tag team is called Better Than You, baby. It's not a great tag team name, but people like it, so it works. Um, Tony and, and uh, Amber have matching T-shirts. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they work together and at their job, they uh, I think Amber is MJF and Tony is Adam Cole. So th- that's like, it's I guess it's like super more fun for me because of that personal experience. Yeah, it's, but, it's uh, extremely popular. Because... It's extremely popular. Oh, um, so good. And so, but there's another element in it on top of just like the solid sort of like, because like you got to think about it in this way too. Like, I think it works even on its own. Like, if it were in a movie, people would like it or a TV show. I think people would get behind it. But in wrestling in particular, you have to, like, understand how many storylines, obviously, because of what it is, are predicated on, like, I hate you so much and I'm going to kick your ass on Sunday. So to have a storyline where, like, two people who were doing that then suddenly become, like, best friends, like, it's, like, it feels kind of different and feels kind of exciting, you know? Um, And uh, they also introduced, so Adam Cole has this friend from the Independent Days named Roderick Strong. And at first, this and this is why AEW is benefiting from the old school mentality of like letting things play out and adjusting on the fly. Now, granted, this is my interpretation as a former wrestler. Like, I, I'm making an educated guess about this. I don't know. For all I know, they had all this written out. I don't think so. Um, at the start of it, they were kind of teasing the audience that like, okay, Adam Cole's befriending MJF, but MJF is a bad guy, so he's going to turn on Adam Cole. And Roderick Strong, Adam Cole's oldest friend, like knows this and is like really upset about it. But what started happening is that instead of the crowd feeling sympathy for Roderick and wanting him to get through to Adam Cole and stop hanging out with this bad guy, they liked him hanging out with the bad guy. And so Roderick Strong, they had to pivot with his character. And so they made him instead like a jealous, spurned ex-girlfriend kind of character. And so he's just jealous of MJF getting attention from Adam Cole. (laughs) And there's this whole thing where Roderick Strong supposedly, it's like part of the character, injured his neck. And so he's in this like ridiculous neck brace. He's got these little glasses on. And they just turned Roderick Strong, who's actually this very, very polished, great technical wrestler. They kind of just turned him into this like pathetic loser character. It's fucking mm-hmm. amazing. It's so entertaining. Like he um, is just constantly like whining and crying about like how Adam Cole left him and how like how can you be friends with him instead of me? How can you care about his neck instead of mine? Um, they're doing this thing currently where he's got um, some of Adam Cole's other former best friends with him, the Kingdom, um, mm-hmm. and what they do is like Roderick will wrestle now. He's back from his quote unquote injury. But he, uh, he, uh, well, also, before I get there, they did one segment where he's been in the neck brace for weeks and he gets mad about something that happens with Adam Cole and MJF and he kicks a car. And it's the most like cockamamie, like slapstick humor where he kicks the car and hurts his foot. And it's like, okay, yeah, we've seen that a million times. 
But then the next week he comes out and not only is he in the neck brace, he's in a fucking like boot, like a foot cast. Oh no! It's like it's just like it's <laughs> it's he. They're, they're turning Roderick into the most like pathetic, like uh, uh, you know what are they called? He's a little little like, kitty meow meow. Exactly. That's what I was gonna. Yeah, he's that, and like he's he looks like the SpongeBob. Like every day I, I have glass bones and paper skin, and every day I break all my bones. You know, it's like they just make you more that. and more of a sad sack loser. Um. But so Chris, like, I have to tell you something. Yeah, I hope we didn't interrupt you. you. So you know how I said uh, Amber's MJF and Tony's Adam Cole? Yeah. Uh, guess which one I am. Are you Roderick Strong? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. We'll get you, we'll get you a neck brace. Um, he, Please, has a, he has you. a t-shirt now called that says Neck Strong since 2000. Um, it's incredible. Oh my God. But like, they do this thing now where, because they're the bad guys now. Like Roderick Strong is now officially a bad guy and so are his friends. Even though like on a storyline level, they're kind of justified. Because MJF is a person you shouldn't trust, and he is a bad person. And if my friend started hanging out with someone like MJF instead of me, I'd be pissed too. But um, it's kind of all in the fun to boo Roderick instead. Um, but um, so Roddy will wrestle. He'll take the neck brace off. He'll have a whole wrestling match, and then the second he wins, his friends rush in and frantically put the neck brace back on, like he's somehow still that fragile, even though he just like <laughs> beat another guy's ass for ten minutes. You know, it's amazing. It's like the perfect like stupid sense of humor that really appeals to me. Um, so that's the big storyline going on as an example of the way that they tell stories in the company right now. Um, mm-hmm. And and it, kind of along the lines, like we were talking about Wembley and, and the biggest show of all time. And the main event was MGF versus Adam Cole for the title. And everyone was expecting one of them to turn on each other. And like everyone's on pins and needles. Like, like not only are you waiting for it to happen, but you're like, I don't want this to happen. I'm invested in these two characters so and their stressed. friendship. And like, I didn't think I cared that much, but like, there's a point at the end of the match where MJF has won and he goes to give, they won their, they won the tag titles together early in the night too. Oh, this is another thing that might appeal to people. They were going to challenge a tag team called Aussie open, these two Australian guys for the belts. And so when they were studying him, studying this team and MJF devises the strategy called uh, the mm-hmm. kangaroo kick. And so he's like, yeah, I watched us, you know, I'm watching these documentaries about Australia and they have these kangaroos and the, you know, they kick like this. So I'm going to do that. And then we'll beat the Australian guys. And Adam Cole's like, that's stupid. Don't do that. Um, but he hits the kangaroo kick in the match. And of course the 80,000 people in attendance lose their minds because the kangaroo kick has been built up as this stupid, funny thing for weeks. Um, they also, their finisher, their finisher's tag team is just a double clothesline, which is hilarious because like, if you watch wrestling, like a clothesline and a double clothesline is the most basic thing you can do, but they like get all excited about it. And it's like double clothesline. And then like, you know, the crowd yells it with them and they hit it and they win matches with it. It's just like, kind of like, that one's a little bit more inside baseball wrestling humor, but like I think you could probably uh, figure out why that's funny. Um, oh, I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And then even with like with the crowd chanting like that, um, yeah, it activates my echolalia so hard. Yeah, um, I don't know if you've heard you you know I, in case you don't listeners don't know what that is. It, it's just like mimicking back things you hear, like something funny or something from a TV show you repeat a lot. That's like a very bad vague explanation, but wrestling activates that so hard for me and my household i cannot tell you how many times where someone would be like oh do you want this for dinner it's like yeah and then tony would go yeah yeah um, which is a uh, current wrestler <laughs> la Knight's ridiculously popular catchphrase considering that it's literally just the word yeah said in a funny intonation but it's like insanely dude, popular uh we we went to just a regular monday night raw showing and la Knight was not there and yet the whole crowd would go whoo yeah the whole time like 
through the streets. Yeah. It was it was stupid. Along, but I the loved lines, it. along the lines of what you're saying, I was gonna say that's honestly like half the fun of being a wrestling fan is like uh the catchphrases and the references and like saying stuff along with the wrestlers at the at, when you're there at the at the event live and like you hear like all these thousands of people like chanting something in unison and like it's fun. It's it's it's, it's incredible. Nice. Um Ugh. it's like if when Goku said Kamehameha, you and all your friends got to be there and yell it with him because you've seen him do mm-hmm. it a bunch of times. That's like the best way I can put that into, you know. It's- or, or even like if you're, you know how like intro, like first TV show, you got like an intro song and you really like it. Yeah. Like my kid always sings the intro and outro for Adventure Time. Um, the same thing with wrestling intros. Like I totally. can't tell you how hype it is for uh, what's his name? Seth Rollins. Like Seth Rollins. Yeah. Who's from my hometown? In- Dude, uh, and he didn't he go to wrestling school in Florida too? So okay, so I'm pretty he, sure he he got he went to train for WWE's developmental is in Florida. So when he got signed mm-hmm. by WWE, they get you ready for television by sending you down to Florida and training with their sort of coaches and stuff. Yeah, he he um, was actually and, fun fact for you, Romo. Uh, I don't know if you know this. Seth Rollins is not only from my area. Um, my trainer was his tag team partner. So, what? so I have like a really close, like, not, I, I shouldn't say close personal connection because that means it's like I know the guy well. I just mean that, like, I have a very, like, I'm one degree of separation away from the guy. One like, degree. <laughs> he, he, Seth Rollins, great wrestler, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. He would show up sometimes when we were training. Like, he'd be there, like, during our practices occasionally. Um, and on top of that, when I mentioned earlier that my first match was not really a match, it's because like we were the rookies that then got a bad guy came out and interrupted the match and beat us up uh, to get the attention of the the his opponent for the night, uh, Seth mm-hmm. Rollins, who was at the time known as Tyler Black. Um, but so that guy who beat us up with brass knuckles was Mus- uh, Mustafa Ali, who's in WWE now. Um, and the guy that came out to save us was Tyler Black, who's now in WWE as Seth Rollins. Um, so my very Bruh. first segment had like these two like big now current big names in wrestling involved. So that's kind of a cool little feather in my cap. Um, it's wear it with pride. That's I also cool have spot. a great story about that day because um, when Seth got to the building, um, he he has this fucked up voice that everyone will immediately recognize when I imitate it just now. But um, he goes, "Hello, everyone," and then he turns and looks at me. He goes, "Hello, small child." because <laughs> like i'm really skinny and short like you know so he was kind You're of like not that short well for wrestling for wrestling i was pretty short um okay i mean i i have no i don't think i've been face to face to any other wrestlers besides you so i mean the business also changed a lot and companies like AEW are kind of part of that because they give smaller wrestlers a chance like they don't care what you look like if you're good as long as you're good and that we're going to get to that like uh mm-hmm. a big part of a lot of I have to in order to like talk about a lot of the stuff with AEW, I do have to position it against WWE. Um, not to be like WWE is mean, the worst thing ever and everything they do is bad, but like a lot of things they do are bad and they suck. Like um they they will kind of like reject guys that don't have a bodybuilder physique and aren't like tall enough or whatever, even if they're the best entertainers in the world. Like um and so AEW like being an alternative where those guys can go is great. Um anyway, okay. I'm gonna try to get back on i'm sorry no you're good this is probably what your show, so no this is probably what your show is for right like <laughs> it um, is it exactly what what's what's for. really great though too i'll say this like you know people can the editor can cut this or whatever but like i love this because normally on a podcast i'd be like oh i'm like getting so in the weeds i'm talking about this so much but it's like oh wait that's the whole point of this that's great that's the whole i can point just of this. do it and this oh, is also I great actually... because like i don't have a lot of like friends 
that I get to see very often that I can talk wrestling with. I talk on like text and Twitter with my friends about wrestling a lot, but like, mm-hmm. it's just so nice to be able to use my voice and geek out about wrestling. Oh, dude. No, I completely <laughs> understand. Like it's like, well, like obviously I've got Tony and, and we'll, we'll talk about wrestling a lot, but um, otherwise like it's, it's probably a similar position as you. It's like, I've got coworkers who are just like, trying to do their day jobs while i'm like and then we watched the show last night and then they did this crazy thing and they all had really great bubble butts and they're flying <laughs> in the air like like that's just... yeah so it's it's kind of one-sided versus it being you know two, a two-way street yeah my wife felix is into wrestling but not like you know not as much as i am so like and especially like they're, they're not as high on aw as i am for reasons i'll get into later that's right i'm going to be fair and offer critiques of the company as well but um e. yeah so anyway okay so another thing that I really love about AEW, as opposed to WWE, where it's sort of like a house style, one size fits all kind of thing. They really want you to wrestle and perform a particular sort of way for the most part. Um, AEW blends so many different styles of pro wrestling into one company, um, which is cool because what I've always said about wrestling to my friends who were kind of like, oh, I don't really like I don't like that or I don't want to give that a try. It's like. There really is, I truly believe there's something for everyone in wrestling because there's so much variety mm-hmm. inside of it. Even if Absolutely. the only way in is to like laugh at like some of the famously bad segments and storylines, I would welcome someone in to do that because like I actually did actually at Moonshot's Extra Life stream in person a couple of years ago, I showed everyone the infamous, uh, the famous and infamous uh, custody of Dominic ladder match where two great wrestlers had a storyline where they were having a match where they had to climb a ladder and pull down the custody of a child, like the yeah. rights to custody of a child, which is like insane. Like, but it's like, it's great. It's amusing. It's, um, I could talk about, you I know, could do a whole episode just on that storyline too. Dude, no, that storyline is so wild. Uh, I, cause when Dominic Mysterio started like really popping up, um, that was something that I was like, I don't really understand like why people are so hype. Like, could you explain to me why people are so hype about this boy? And that's when Tony paused everything. And it's like, <laughs> it's time for a history lesson. <laughs> I have shown so many human beings the custody of Dominic Lattermatch thing. And it, it it's it's such a, like, to me, it's such a perfect encapsulation of wrestling too, because on the one hand, it's really silly and stupid and like exaggerated soap opera kind of thing that would never happen in reality. Um, this guy saying like, oh, actually, your son is actually my biological kid. I just let you adopt him because I had real life drug and alcohol problems. So they're blending. Do you see that like they're blending fiction and reality? Um, yeah. But then also like, but then on top of it, it's like, it's a really stupid, ridiculous premise. But at the same time, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio are such good performers and wrestlers that they make it kind of good also. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's awesome. Like, that that is a, like, if you're going to seek out one thing that we talk about, like, the 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 promo package for the custody of Dominic ladder match is like you should watch that and then you should watch the ladder match Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio SummerSlam 2005 um absolutely anyway. actually um and if you need like a specific thing because I'm sure if you look that shit up there's going to be a giant pile of things to pull through I Chris I don't know if you're familiar with cultaholic wrestling I've um, heard of it I love cultaholic wrestling. I used to fall asleep to them all the time, and that's how I would osmosis wrestling knowledge. Um, it's they have a really great like they have like news. They have a whole podcast, but they also have a lot of just videos talking about different segments of wrestling history, both WWE and AEW, mostly WWE. But um, I definitely recommend cultaholic wrestling if you just need a YouTube channel to like 
start at. Um, or if you are already a fan and haven't heard of them, you should go fucking look them up. They're so good. I'm going to recommend you start by going to my YouTube channel and watching me wrestle. That too. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'll put that. I will put that link in the Discord for your listeners, though. Thank you. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, I was saying there's something for everyone in wrestling, and AEW like actually takes advantage of that um, by bringing in wrestlers from all over the world that wrestle so many different styles. So you have guys doing the sort of storytelling, entertainment, like comedy, sort of like WWE kind of niche, um, although more comedy than WWE even goes for. Um, and then you have like the best technical wrestlers who are like good at like physically like knowing a lot of different holds and moves and and submissions and being able to fluidly chain them together in a really athletic um entertaining way um then you have like lucha libre like um you know the really athletic creative um high-flying sort of style from mexico then you have deathmatch wrestlers like john moxley who are getting stabbed with skewers that legitimately stick out of their head and falling on broken glass and thumbtacks and (laughs) stabbing their people with forks and like bleeding all the time you know like which that's the craziest thing for people that don't know about wrestling to learn about wrestling is that they probably assume from everything they've heard about how fake wrestling is that um, the blood would be fake. It is not. It's disturbing and fucked up. But what happens is wrestlers will hide razor blades in their wrist tape or their boots or a referee will hold on to it for them until they need it. And then they will cut their forehead open and have real blood come out. Um, yeah. yeah. There's been a few times where I just remember before I even knew that was the thing, Tony would be like, oh, that's a that's a bad blade job. And I'm yeah. like, what? What? What do you want about? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's wrestling is scripted, but it's a lot more real than people would think. I think people always think, that, oh, the ring is like a big trampoline and everything's really soft. And it's like, no, a wrestling ring is constructed. It's it's metal. It's 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 wooden planks on top of metal with a thin layer of padding on it and then like a canvas on top of that. And the ropes are either tightly wound legitimate rope or they're steel cables wrapped in tape. So either way, that shit fucking hurts to run into. And when you're doing wrestling training, uh, the first few times that you no, the first like, you know, few practice sessions you do it, you'll get welts across your back from like the ropes, like damaging your skin. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's it's much less hokey and fun time than everyone you know thinks it is. And then the blading, obviously, is an example of that. But, but yeah, so then you have guys like that who are doing this really aggressive, sort of violent um, style. And then there's a Japanese strong style, which is like really hard hitting, sort of, you know, the guys hitting each other so hard that the sweat is flying off of each other and you can see it, you know, like. Um, yeah. They also take advantage of this sort of like cosmic gumbo of wrestling styles by actually. WWE kind of likes to act like they're the only company that exists because they don't want you looking at their competitors. Whereas AEW. Um, it, it was the concept was called the forbidden door so they named a um a show after it where they actually will have com- wrestlers from other companies wrestle there they have like the top stars from japan wrestle their top guys on a show called mm-hmm. forbidden door every year um it's it's also so good like, it's 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 like if um it's well i guess the best comparison i can think of is like it's like when marvel and dc used to like work together to occasionally put out comics where batman and wolverine would like meet each other it's like really exciting, yeah. like because it's like two guys that you know from different places finally interacting. Um, and like, what was it? Because, um, for example, like, um, a lot of these wrestlers have wrestled at other companies, like uh, Kenny Omega. Like, he did a lot of stuff over in Japan for a long time, and then there was that Lovers the storyline that was going yep. on. And so, like, to know, you know, to see these storylines kind of t- like 
touch base one more time or new storylines kind of creating through this forbidden door, especially like I didn't really understand or know about it. And I had someone next. I highly recommend to find a wrestling friend if you're getting into this because it makes the experience so much more fun and easier. But um that was absolutely incredible to be like, oh, that's him. That's Kenny Omega's boyfriend. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna get there. I'm gonna touch on the Golden Lovers a bit later. Um, actually, this is a good segue. So I'm gonna jump into now describing some characters that I think, uh, average people of our general sort of spheres, like people that would listen to Moonshot, like might mm-hmm. like. Um, so the first guy I want to shout out. Well, actually, no, you brought him up. I'll go Kenny Omega first. So Kenny Omega is, like we've kind of touched on, a nerdy super athlete who loves video games and homaging sort of pop culture things. Um, like his one of his finishers is named after you know, Sephiroth. One of them is named after a Street Fighter thing. Um, he has done entrances dressed up as Sans from Undertale with like a video playing on the big screen that like mimics the style of Undertale. Um, so that's kind of fun for people to check out usually. Um, but then also, like I said, he's a super athlete. Like he's insanely good at professional wrestling. He's fast oh and strong and can flip and like can do all this other stuff. And he's got like a great storytelling mind as well. He's mm-hmm. a great performer. Um, but then also there's this element that people on the internet fucking die for, which is that he had this tag team in Japan called the Golden Lovers. And it was him and this guy named Kota Ibushi um, where it was like heavily implied that the two were lovers, like that they were a gay romantic tag team. Um, and, mm-hmm. and they've done a lot of like kind of um, fan servicey nuanced things with that storyline over the years of like, that shit up. like Kenny Omega oh, needs God. some backup in AEW. Who's that? Holy shit. It's Kota Ibushi from new Japan. He's here in the building and he's there to back up Kenny Omega. And you all know what that means. And you know, blah, blah, um, You all know what that means. Yeah. Um, so that is a big thing people like. Um, so the next guy I'm going to bring up is Orange Cassidy. This guy, I think, I is, so like, maybe the number one thing of, like, if you put this... And it's so funny, too, because so many wrestlers and old-school wrestling fans are like, this guy's everything wrong with the business. But every time I've seen a normal human experience Orange Cassidy, like, oh, that's my favorite guy, and I like wrestling and think it's cool now because of this guy. So, like, you can't have Dude. it both ways, right? Like, you know... Um, it's uh, Orange he, Cassidy uh, plays a character of a guy who's sort of like it's kind of hard to even describe. He's like his whole he's got kind of like a blase like whatever kind of cool guy energy. He wears sunglasses and like denim, and he like um, has a kind of blase like man a few words. Um, and I mean, he's like a he's like uh, kind of like a lazy slacker guy who will like during his matches. Um, he will put his hands in his pockets and then proceed to do like four or five cool wrestling moves with his hands still in his pockets, including things like flying drop kicks and diving through the ropes onto an opponent on the outside, like with no hands. Like it's awesome. Um, I'm grabbing a clip right now. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one just like sort of a dope feat to see someone do it on a physical athletic level. But then also it's like, Oh shit, that's how cool this guy is that he's in a fight quote unquote, and he has his hands in his pockets and he's getting into his opponent's head with these mind games of like, I'm going to beat you up and throw you around without even using my hands. Like, um, so that guy is supremely entertaining. Absolutely. And like with we mentioned strong style earlier, like I believe Kenny Omega is a big strong style guy. 
Um, and forgive me if you already said this because I was pulling YouTube videos, but uh, I love the fact that he's the king of sloth style. Yeah, yeah. They kind that of like parody so that joy. the term, yeah, to, to mimic uh, Orange Cassidy's sort of like laissez-faire thing. And it's a, he's a great character too because like his personality is that he's laid back and he doesn't want to work that hard whatever. But then when he's in the ring, he'll have these like killer matches where he goes like, you know, like balls deep with like his opponent for like 30 minutes or whatever. And just like mm -hmm. going for it, like really putting his all into it. Um, they did a thing recently where he was um, the company's international champion. Like a, it's a belt they have in the company. Um, mm -hmm. And he was undefeated defending the belt. He would defend the belt like constantly every week um, against a new opponent. And he'd win and win and win. And it was this like really big undefeated streak where he was working every single week. And he finally lost it recently. And like they're kind of asking about like his feelings on it. And he's just like, I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that's maybe part of why like um, millennials and Gen Z people have latched onto him so hard, too, is like we can all kind of relate to like, uh, you know, a guy who's not going to come out there and give a soliloquy, but just be like, I'm really fucking tired. <laughs> like, um, Dude. And oh, man, what was it? Um, how do I I was trying to figure out how to segue into the 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 best friends group that he's a part of, because mm -hmm. like I know we, we've talked about a couple, a lot of like individuals we haven't and some tag teams, but we haven't talked about. I guess they're called stables. Yeah, they're usually called stables or factions. Yeah, but that is probably my favorite uh, faction slash stable is the, the best friends. And um, what do you call it? And like how that plot line with uh, Chuck, I believe, or Charles, Chuck when he Taylor. was a butler. Yeah, when Chuck Taylor was a butler for um, whatever that twink's name is. I can't remember his name. Are you um, thinking when he was of... getting married? Oh, at the Kip beach. Sabian. Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian and uh, evil like British twink. Whole... Yes, e evil, that was evil British alt looking twink. Yeah. Well, no, I yeah, and and then his uh, high end. Uh, edgy wife like that was that plot line was when i first got into aew and i instantly fell in love and they were like oh he's gonna be in uh in one of the gifts and they like break the gift and he's actually in the cake and just starts beating everybody's asses it was yeah. just oh, Classic i pro love wrestling. orange cassidy yeah um another thing about orange cassidy that i remembered that i want to bring up is that in this feud with john moxley who recently beat him for the international championship John Moxley went on this promo where he was being his really sort of like aggressive, like hardcore kind of self. And he was like, everyone around here has a belt. Everyone has a catchphrase. Like, I don't need any of that. Like, I'm just like the like best wrestler, hardest dude here. No one can like no one can beat me. I'm going to rip your head off. Um, but he mentioned that everyone has a catchphrase and he's kind of like making fun of how, um, you know, everyone else is sort of being like more showy where he's only concerned about going, you know, like uh, mm -hmm. getting down to business and uh, kicking ass. And Orange Cassidy does this response promo where he like says a few things and then he goes, I'm Orange Cassidy and I do not have a catchphrase. And it was like <laughs> this one line. It was this great sort of rebuttal of like, yeah, like you're complaining about all these guys being all show, no go. Well, like, that's not me. I don't have a catchphrase. But the funny thing about Orange Cassidy is that like he's so charismatic and, and likable in this way that I'm Orange Cassidy and I do not have a catchphrase has become his catchphrase. <laughs> like... Now he says that at the end of his promos and the fans all say it with him like and I do not have a catchphrase. It's great. I love it. It's so fun. It's so great. Um, Another whole episode just Orange Cassidy. Yeah. yeah. All right. So I brought up John Moxley. So I'll do him next. He 
became famous in WWE as Dean Ambrose, one-third of The Shield, which also included Seth Rollins, we mentioned earlier, and Roman Reigns, who you might have heard of from being in Fortnite or some shit. Um, Fortnite. And John Moxley was a guy who came up on the independence and is very much like the last guy you would think WWE would sign to a contract because they're very family friendly. And this is a guy known for doing death matches and doing promos where he's like, I'm just a sick guy. I like to get drunk and bang ugly women. And, blah, blah, blah. and like, he was just sort of like he played this sort of like messed up uh, like street kid kind of character. Um mm-hmm. And he was like very hyper aggressive. And like he would like talk about wanting his opponent's head on a stick and stab them with forks that he'd keep in his boot. But then he'd also like he'd take a weed whacker to his forehead, like just insane shit. And I and I mean when I say that, I mean like in reality, the performer is letting people like slice his forehead open with like hardware tools and shit. Like they're crazy. Deathmatch wrestlers are insane. Uh-uh. Um, but uh-uh. so John Moxley goes to WWE and he's part of this like uh, history making faction, and then they turn him into a good guy that becomes almost a sort of like wacky kid friendly guy. Which was mm. successful. I worked at an after-school program years ago where the kids like were obsessed with Dean Ambrose. That was his character's name in WWE. But like he hated it there because he's this guy who's like a really serious wrestler, and they have him like spraying ketchup and mustard on his opponents and covering them in Nickelodeon slime, and like it just like it was not his style of presentation. Meanwhile, now he gets to go to AEW and be his full self, and he gets to kind of go back to that persona of like I'm this like the like, badass bulldog that's gonna choke you out and like. I don't want to hurt people, but I will. And if I hit you with something and you get up, I'm going to hit you with something harder. And even if that means escalating to glass and thumbtacks and fire and whatever else, like he's just just like Mm -hmm. this maniac. And like, it's so fun watching him because like, even when the weapons don't get involved, he's so aggressive and believable that like, I I described it once on Twitter as like being a John Moxley fan is like watching Jaws and rooting for the shark. Like, yeah, John, he's just like this ferocious fucking badass dude. He's just like so cool. Um, but um, yeah. And like you said, like he he does these like very creative, very shocking spectacle sort of stunts, but also still in the bounds of storytelling. Like he's not just doing violence for the sake of violence, in my opinion. Other people disagree. Um, but I think that the times he brings out the sort of weapons and violence is usually because they're like doing something from a character standpoint um, with him, his opponent or both. Um, anyway, so that's Mox. Fucking love Mox. Um, very good. Another big one for our audience, I would say it's Hangman Adam Page. Um, I love him. He is like canonically referred to as an anxious millennial cowboy. He's a guy from Virginia, former, former educator, shout out, um, who, um, is a, like, as a character, um, you know, struggles with anxiety and, um, they've done storylines with like sort of a, like, an alcoholism kind of element. Um, he's just like a, 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 this is another thing I love about AEW. And I'm going to like touch on this with a few different people, but like mm-hmm. they, like they're really, I think like innovating with like the modern 2023 version of a wrestling, good guy and wrestling, bad guy. Like, because there's certain tropes that have existed in wrestling forever. You know, like, Oh, I'm the rich guy. Yeah. I'm the pretty boy. I'm the big, scary monster. You know, and like, you know, they, they still work because um, they're just good at character archetypes. But AEW is doing these things where I feel like that is what a baby face, or sorry, a good guy in wrestling would look like in 2023. You get a hangman Adam Page who's like, I'm a relatively normal guy, but with the cool cowboy aesthetic who is open about struggles with anxiety and and substance use and whatever else. And like you kind of like you can easily get behind a guy like that. Um, another person mm-hmm. like that, Eddie Kingston, who's this like badass um new yorker 
who's like a like not just a tough talker but a tough fighter and whatever else um that guy i swear to god is the most believable wrestler in the business because everything he says i believe like even as someone who knows how much of wrestling promos are sometimes not real um i believe every word of eddie keith's mouth about like who he is and where he's came from and stuff like um but the fact that he's so like tough and believable as this like fighter from the Bronx or wherever he's from, he'd probably kill me for getting around. I don't know if it's Brooklyn or wherever he's from. New York, tough guy, genuine. Um, but he's also open about anxiety and trauma. And um, they also have made him a kind of AEW superstar by being the fact that he was a really talented guy who got overlooked by major companies like WWE for years because he's not in like traditional shape. Like people would rag on him for being fat or like not, you know, he doesn't work out enough. His arms are too skinny. His belly's too big, like yada, yada. Um, but AEW lets him be himself and he looks the way he looks. He talks the way he talks and he wrestles the way he wrestles and it works. People love him for it. And the fact that a tough guy like that, a genuine, believable tough guy is talking about PTSD from violence he experienced that, you know, as witnessing as a child and, um, and mental health issues and stuff like it's, it's, that's what we want to root for in today's era is someone who's like has those things and is not afraid to like talk about it you know like absolutely um, there's another person that i think of in terms of being like that um to touch on the aw women's division a bit um there's a wrestler named willow nightingale um she's a a, a black women's wrestler who um like is just like super positive and smiley and very likable um but also is like went in the ring like really tough and like um you know, i don't know there's just something about that that to me is like oh like this is what this is who we want to root for in today's era she's like fun um and seems like a genuinely nice and happy person but also is like cool and like we'll we'll pick people up and throw them around and hit them hard and whatever else like it's like yeah that makes sense to me as a modern wrestling good guy mm-hmm. um okay oh my goodness. so we did hang on page all right next i'm gonna get into um uh, I'm gonna honorable mention to Miro. Um, I love Miro. He's like this, like uh, he's a Bulgarian dude who started in WWE and then jumped ship, like many people did. Um, but AW, he like, and this is what I love about AW too is like they let him do this character that's so weird and can never fully be paid off on, really, because he he did this thing where he became uh the TNT champion. And he starts declaring himself God's favorite champion. And all his promos would reference the fact that he's God's favorite champion. And he's like blessed by the almighty and all that. Um, already mm-hmm. touchy subject for wrestling to touch on like religion or whatever. Um, but then after he loses the belt, all his promos become about hating God because God like let him lose the title <laughs> and like abandoned, like turned his back on God's favorite champion and all that. And it's amazing because it's like, that's such a weird angle for a character because like, and WWE tried to do this like in a kind of like, tongue-in-cheek trying to be kind of shocking and offensive way but like you can't have the character fight god so theoretically there's no point to have a guy whose whole character is that he's mad at god but like it totally works like every time he's like talking backstage i'm like oh i want to hear him say weird stuff about god like um he's really no let him speak yeah let him speak. <laughs> he's really like entertaining and different um but okay the two left i have on the character front that i want to talk about are um oh actually real quick another honorable mention in the women's division Britt Baker. Who's, I love her. Who's a legitimate dentist in addition to being a wrestler. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's so cool. Like, and she has this catchphrase. Well, she'll like, when she is done with her promo, she'll say like, um, you know, da, 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 and like the titles come into Britt Baker, DMD. And she like 
points to their finger with every letter and it's just so fun like in the echolalia sort of sense that you mentioned before it's so fun oh, yeah. to do it with her you know and do the dmd thing it, i've i've looked <sighs> it up i've found her actual legitimate functioning dental practice and it's just so mm-hmm. wild to think that she's like on the road as a pro wrestler while also taking care of people's teeth like isn't she also married to adam cole she's dating adam cole yeah she's dating adam cole yeah. okay um but i was uh telling my coworker about her and um like doing this whole google search and i'm like and then her thing is that she puts on a glove and then because she's a dentist she knows where the nerve is in your mouth yep. and does submission holds yep. by putting her finger in your mouth and like hurting you it's great and he's like what it's and so, so good. that's i love that creative angle like yeah I, I i actually i did i tell you about this is my small tangent again i'm so sorry um I worked in massage therapy for a while, Chris, and I was uh, my coworker. She would do this thing. My coworker at the time, she would do this thing with her elbow when she would give me a massage and it would hurt. But I knew that she was helping me. So, I, you know, like she would, you know, find that edge and of not actually injuring me, but like getting the knot out. And we called it the the people's elbow. And so then I started plotting this wrestler who was a massage therapist. So kind of that similar angle that Britt Baker has, yeah. of like they know how the body works. And so their kind of thing is to, um, you know, mess you up by actually like targeting muscles in like a massage therapy way that you wouldn't anticipate. So instead of chops, it's like a, like a deep tissue, like move. And now you're now, you know, whatever he made the knot worse. I don't know. I was cooking on it like a couple years ago, so you I just, lost a lot just, of the memory. You just but... <laughs> gotta, you just gotta change the name, otherwise Dwayne's gonna sue you. The Rock, uh, his people, people's elbow is a treasured legal <laughs> protection. You know, uh, the 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 we'll figure oh, it out. Shoot, we'll... I got it. Get... I I rescind the people's hit, elbow, hit but us, it's hit something us in the elbow. Discord with your suggestions for Roma's massage therapist character's uh, finisher. Oh yeah, please do. Um, okay. The deep tissue. <laughs> oh, I also am realizing that, like, even as I'm like going through my list, like, oh, there's even more characters that I didn't even think of that I think would be like people would get into if I just quickly described them. Tony Storm, a wrestler who I really honestly did not care for until she changed her character recently when she lost the women's championship. She became this like um, sort of like 1950s fading starlet character. <gasps> I saw her for the first time recently. She's so fun now and so funny. Like she puts on like the she's like Australian. So she's got the sort of voice and she kind of puts on this, you know, like I said, like a a 1950s Hollywood starlet who's like losing her kind of like prime spot and it's driving her a little crazy. Like that's the character she's playing now. And like she um she like throws her shoes at the backstage interviewers if she doesn't like their questions. And like it's <laughs> she's so fun. Um, Yeah. OK, I'm going to hit two tag teams in terms of again just trying to think of people that um your listeners might like house of mm-hmm. black um is a is a trio oh, i guess it's a faction there's four members kind of julia hart um they're the kind of cool spooky brand of pro wrestling um when they come out all the lights go off and there's just like the lights of people's phones lighting up the arena and they come out to like fucking probably like what like swedish metal music like um mm-hmm. they have like cool eerie face paint and like they just like beat the shit out of people um but they uh, but a a big sort of like genre of wrestling that a lot of people get really into is like the sort of like borderline like gothic borderline supernatural characters um Mm -hmm. and so house of black kind of fits that demographic um and then the last tag team we want to talk about is the acclaimed oh i love them so much the acclaimed is a tag team of rapper max caster 
who um, takes a spin on John Cena's battle rap character from 2003 or so. And in his entrance during his music, his music is like an instrumental so that he can come down to the ring and do a like unique custom diss track on whoever he's about to face every time he's on the TV show. And it gets like, you get kind of excited. And I was like, Oh, like, what's he going to say? Like, and he'll, he'll work in not only like, like making fun of his opponent, but he'll work in like kind of like edgy, uh, modern commentary stuff. Like he was like, uh, you know, like he'll, he'll make fun of, um, like Donald Trump and Joe Biden. And like, uh, I imitated him on a moonshot stream. So I made a reference to the queen of England dying. Like it's that sort of thing where he's trying to, you know, get the crowd to yell like, Oh, you know, like, um, so sometimes he goes a little too far on that, but I think in general, it's pretty fun. Um, and, uh, so it's a tag team of him and a wrestler named Anthony Bowens, who is a openly gay man, um, who is very likable. Um, and they, (laughs) so because their tag team name is the acclaimed, they would make little A's with their fingers. And then at some point they noticed that if you were to turn that to the side and you could put them together, it makes like scissors with your fingers. And so mm. they they started referring to that as scissoring. And there is a tag, there's a the storyline. Anthony Bones got like legitimately hurt. And so they had to kind of pivot like what they're gonna do with the team because he couldn't wrestle. So they had Anthony Bones in a wheelchair and Max Caster with him, and they teamed him up with um there's a wrestler named Billy Gunn who's been around mm-hmm. since like the 80s and 90s. Um and he had his two sons in AEW, uh, the little Nepo babies, who I love. The guns are fucking awesome. Like, they deserve their <laughs> Nepo baby spots. Um, they're so fun. Um, but so they did a storyline where they were teamed up with the guns. And then the Acclaimed turned on, like, it separated from the the guns, like, the children. But then Billy Gunn took their side over his own sons. Like, he liked them better than his own kids. And so he became part of their team. And because his... Um, when he was in WWE, he had a, a, a an infamous gimmick where he was Mr. Ass, Billy Gunn. And so because of that, they paid reference to that and they started calling him as an old man and the, and the father of the, the two guns, Daddy Ass. And so then oh my what they God. would do is every night when they come out to the arena, they would do their little acclaimed intro. Max Kessler would rap. Anthony Bowens would like yell the name of the town and be like, you know, the acclaimed have arrived. And then he would say scissor me daddy ass and then in the center of the ring him and billy gunn would put their two fingers together like like scissors and uh just put like their tongues out and go like and like it got super popular uh just because it's like i don't know like dumb and funny in a sort of sophomoric sort of way and like the fact that you would then have like crowds full of thousands of people with like signs and shirts and and fingers that all say scissor me and like scissor me daddy ass and like you know just daddy ass as its own thing is like amusing like um oh, but yeah I they're just the a lot of fun the wrestling's wrestling is going in such a great direction honestly <laughs> like i mean I, I i've watched a shit ton of youtube videos about the history of wwe mm-hmm. so maybe i know more than i give myself credit for but to just kind of compare that to what it's evolved to these days, like it just gives me so much joy. <laughs> I, I like to think of the acclaimed as the modern day version of DX, which is the tag team, or a, a stable in the 90s um, where like their catchphrase was suck it and they would gesture to their dicks like um, and like Bruh. every middle and high schooler was giving their teachers hell just like repeatedly doing the crotch chop and saying suck it at school and getting in trouble. And I feel like the acclaimed would be the modern day version of that. I'm sure there is not 
a lack of kids who have gotten in trouble at school for being like scissor me daddy ass like in class you know and it's like what'd you just Ugh. say um oh so. I, I couldn't imagine being an educator in the year 2023 <laughs> but it I, would either be great or, or just but, insane <laughs> well i mean as an educator in 2033 it's uh it's usually pretty amusing i would love but the, i'm a bad example though because because i watch it i would love if one of my kids came in and was quoting the acclaimed um <laughs> but okay now we're gonna get into like this is the shit I'm maybe most excited about. I'm so excited. Dude, like, all right, fuck all the ways that the company's actually good. I want to talk about the backstage drama. Yeah. So, all right, go. over the last, like, calendar year, AEW has been plagued with insane real-life drama backstage between their performers that has at times superseded the stories they're trying to tell on TV. And, like, I'm sure poor Tony Khan is just like, Jesus fucking Christ, can't I have any of my people behave? Actually, Ricky Starks, <laughs> another wrestler I love, he tweeted one time, like, well, my coworkers just shut up for five minutes, like, because, like, they just kept getting into fights with each other and talking shit about each other publicly and, like, causing all these problems, like, and, like, um, you know, people might sound skeptical. It's like, my dad is always like, well, like, isn't it all fake? How do you know it's real? It's like, if you pay attention to wrestling for long enough, you get a good sense for what is real and what isn't. Um, and there mm -hmm. are legitimate wrestling journalists who like would not, you know, they would, they would say like, yeah, this is not real, like whatever. But like, um, anyway, so it's been a huge thing in AEW and some people have chosen to look at this and be like, oh, these guys in the company or the company, the way it's being run, this is such a problem. It's such a bad look. That is for squares. I am here to say, I fucking love the backstage drama because it's very entertaining and I'm not working there. Like it's not my bad workplace, so I just get to, like, enjoy the fucking crazy stories. Like, like granted, mm -hmm. I do want everyone in the company to be happy and have a good workplace where they can all get along yeah. and stuff. But as a, as a human being, I want that. But as an enjoyer of AEW, I want crazy shit to be happening that I can hear about and be entertained by and talk to my friends. Like, did you fucking see what this guy said? Or did you hear who got in a fight this week? Or, you know, like, I don't know. It's just like... Yeah, can you believe that? Yeah. Like, oh, my God. So the intro that segment that you heard me do at the top of the podcast was me quoting verbatim parts of the now infamous CM Punk media scrum. So CM Punk is a guy who was in WWE after coming up through the years of the indies and being told even in WWE that he like was never going to be a top guy or whatever. He became one of the most popular wrestlers of all time and in the world. Um is a huge huge star. Um partially because he had this reputation for both in character and in real life being a guy who um, would like speak his mind honestly, no matter what, no matter how like unpopular or um, not good for his position in the company it was. Like he was just going to tell it like it was. He was not afraid to be controversial or stand up to authority or whatever. And that's what drew people to him, right? So mm -hmm. he leaves wrestling for years because of how horribly WWE treated him and stuff um i won't get into all the details there but then he goes to AEW, and everyone's really super stoked because they thought they'd never get to see him wrestle again now he's here um anyway fast forward you start to get like wind of like okay maybe there's like some people that, who punk is rubbing the wrong way backstage and there's some some personal issues and whatever there's a guy fuck i am gonna have to get into it explain all the like nuances okay mm -hmm. So he has this tag team partner named Colt Cabana, who he goes up all through um, the independent scene with. Like he was like they were best friends. They trained together. They were tag team together, um, whatever. Uh, then when so Colt Cabana doesn't make it quite as far as Punk does. Uh, he gets a short run in WWE where they kind of pin him with a 
Jewish stereotype character because of his um, background. Um, and then they kind of fire him unceremoniously. He doesn't really get much of a run. Um, but he's a big name on the independence still. And he has this really successful podcast called The Art of Wrestling, where he interviews wrestlers. CM Punk, when he leaves WWE, gets fired on his wedding day. Because that's how fucking terrible WWE is. And part of why I'm rooting so hard against them with this company that's competing with them is because of shit like that. Um, he goes on Colt's podcast and airs it all. He's like, they fired me on my wedding day. Here's all the ways that they mistreated me. Their medical staff would not believe me that I was sick and I'd have to keep wrestling and they would give me these um, Z-packs to treat my illness and I wound up shitting myself in the ring on television because of the things that they gave me. Just awful stuff. Just like So he goes on this podcast and just like airs it all out. Um, fast forward, WWE's medical team sues Punk and Cabana for, um, what? what is it, libel? Like for saying things about them that they're claiming are not true. Um, and then... Punk and Cabana are kind of teamed up on this lawsuit against WWE to defend themselves. However, Cabana uh, is seen in public with some of his friends who are still in WWE. Punk thinks that will make their that will weaken their lawsuit, so he gets pissed off about it. Um, and then they kind of their friendship. Ba- I'm, I'll sum it up. Their friendship basically dissolves over the course of a few different lawsuits. Like Punk offers to um, pay. Cabana's legal fees because he's in a much better position money-wise from wrestling than his friend is. Um, then they get into these sort of disagreements. Um, Punk's like, I'll still pay it. Um, then, like, Cabana, like, refuses it or something, and then, like, um, there's, like, the subpoena, through court, like, all this shit gets dragged out, like, Cabana is sharing a bank account with his mom, like, uh, I'm getting cutting ahead a little bit because Punk reveals this in the media scrum uh, thing, but, um, Basically, their friendship completely falls apart as a result of the tensions that come out of being both involved in a lawsuit against with WWE, and then they sue each other. It's a whole mess. Like, um, anyway, fast forward. So Cole Cabana's in AEW. Punk gets there. See, Cabana gets moved to Ring of Honor that AEW also purchased. So it's it's seen as kind of a demotion and kind of being moved. And there's rumors backstage that no one knows the truth of whether or not it's the case. But there's rumors that CM Punk, because of his issues with Cabana, went to the boss and said, move him off my show or I'm like not doing this. Um, So then CM Punk and I recently learned this wrinkle, which is fascinating. So in WWE, they recently had two huge women stars, um, Sasha Banks and Naomi, walk out of the company um, because they didn't like the way they were being treated as as stars, and they didn't like the the direction their characters were being pushed in and stuff, right? So they leave yeah. the company, like legit, they walk out. Um, Punk tweets in support of them, like he's like, workers should do this more often, like we should like you know like stand up for yourselves, and like employers shouldn't like fuck us around. Um, so then Punk is in a storyline with Hangman Adam Page, the anxious millennial cowboy we talked about earlier. They talk over what they're gonna say to each other in their promo. In, a lot of times, this is what happens with wrestlers. You talk, it's like, hey, I'm going to say some shit about you, but like, I'm clearing it with you first so you don't actually get upset. Um, and so they agree on what they're going to say. They get out there, and Hangman, who's a friend with Cabana, throws in a line of, like, you know, you talk a big game about workers' rights when you do anything but. And so Punk gets pissed because, oh. one, the Hangman is, like, A, saying something that he claims is not true, and also, he went off of what they agreed upon. Like, it was like, yeah, you can talk shit about me in this way, this way, and this way. All right, sounds good. Handshake. Let's go do it. And then Hangman throws in this shot about workers' rights. And so Punk is fucking pissed about this. And so these rumors are now starting to get out to um, the wrestling world as a whole that Punk got Cabana fired because they're not friends anymore and he hates him. Um, 
Then Punk does this like asshole move back where he is on a he's doing a promo out in the ring. And he knowing that Hangman does not know he's going to do this. He goes, Hangman, if you're so tough, come out and fight me right now. And Hangman's, of course, backstage, probably like eating and hanging out with his friends or, you know, planning his match or whatever. So he doesn't come out. And Punk's like, you're a coward. Anyway, moving on. And so then Hangman's obviously people are pissed at that, too. It's like, well, hang on a second. Like, you just like without telling him you're going to do that, you go off script and just make him look like an asshole. Like, he's a good guy in the company. You shouldn't be trying to make him look bad. Stuff like that. So then like tensions are ramping up, ramping up. Um, so anyway, you get to CM Punk comes back from an injury. He was the, he was the champion at one point when he beats he beats. Sorry, I should clear, this is important too. He beats Hangman for the AEW title. He gets injured diving into the crowd to celebrate with fans, and he breaks his foot. So, like, not long after he becomes the champion of this company, he has to go recover from a broken foot. Long-ass time. He's gone forever. He comes back. No. He wins the title back um, in this match with John Moxley. Um, and then after the big pay-per-view events, which is where, like, um, all the biggest matches happen, where, like, they let the matches go longer, and it's, like, the culmination of the storylines usually... Um, which you pay for as opposed to the TV shows, which you can watch for free, like the episodes where the stories get developed and matches happen and whatever else. Um, but like I said about AEW, their matches um, and weekly TV actually feel like something that is like, A, like you want to catch it because, um, you know, the stories they're developing are good and you want to see what happens, but also like their matches themselves are really good. Like it's not very often. They have such a deep, varied roster who are all entertaining in various ways that like, I can't, it's not, it's not very often that, I'm watching the TV shows. And I'm like, ah, eh, this match doesn't interest you. Usually, I'm like, ooh, okay, that's kind of fun. Like, um, anyway, that's a that's a that's an aside. So mm-hmm. after the pay per views, which you pay to see, and it's like the the big shows where like all the biggest shit happens. Um, Tony Khan started doing this thing. The WWE ripped off afterward. Um, but Tony Khan, the owner of the company, started doing this thing where he would do basically like a press conference. He'd all, he'd all let all the wrestling news outlets and podcasters and stuff come ask questions of him and the wrestlers and they would like, you know, answer it. Sometimes they would do it in character. Sometimes it would be more reality. Like it's kind of a weird thing that way. But yeah. So Punk goes out there. He's got blood on him still from his match with Moxie. He's still in his wrestling gear. He's got a towel draped around his neck. He's got some like sodas or seltzers that he's drinking and he's got these muffins because the show is in Chicago where he's from. And so he's eating these like, you know, hometown muffins he doesn't get to have all the time. And so he's like, this is this is a disheveled guy who's covered in blood, a shirtless, disheveled guy covered in blood, eating muffins and drinking whatever. Um, he spots a guy in the crowd and instantly you're like, what's going on here? This is weird. Because the thing I said to Roma of like, yeah, it's like, do you still do improv? Like, when did you divert improv? Who did you do improv with? Or would you say you're friends with Scott Colton? That's the real name of Colt Cabana. And so anyway. The thing immediately goes like weird and like something is like not happening like it's supposed to because punk is just like talking about this random guy in the crowd of journalists and like connecting it to Cole Cabana. Now, the funny thing is that I have a personal connection to this because the guy he shouts out is recognizing as a guy who used to do improv in the Chicago area was a guy that used to have some involvement in the big wrestling company in Chicago that I wrestled for freelance wrestling mm-hmm. this guy nick hausman used to be around the shows i don't really remember what he would do i would just see him at shows there and like um you know he was he was around um now he's a big wrestling journalist and so punk sees him and knows that he was a, a guy in the chicago area and did improv like cole cabana did and so he kind of goes off he's just like 
if you're a journalist who's here and you're friends with this guy that all this drama around me and my former friend is in, you should be revealing that you know him. If you don't know, I'm sorry that I kind of snapped at you a little bit, but I just think it's really important. Um, and then he goes on this epic, epic, insane fucking rant where he like talks shit about Cabana, Hangman Adam Page, the uh, the elite, like Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, who are like partial owners of the company. He, they're the executive vice president. He's like, you have EVPs who couldn't manage a fucking target. And it's like, holy shit, what is happening? Like, like, and I can't stress enough that this is real and unplanned. And his boss is sitting right next to him, bug-eyed, just like, what's going on? What do I do? Like, he's the he's one of the biggest stars I have. So I like kind of want to let him see his, say his piece. But he's also being wild messy right now in front of the entire world. Um, and like, it's just, it's, he goes for like, 20 minutes just like talking mad shit about all his coworkers and outing all this dirty laundry and stuff and then so and he, one of the things he says is like if you have a fucking problem with me come find me and take it to me let's go and so after he gets done with the press conference thing uh he goes backstage and two people do just that the young buck go to his locker room with the um the company's lawyer to try to like Bruh you know address the things that he said about them because it's a bad look for them if they're executive vice presidents of the company and wrestlers for one of the wrestlers to go out and say they can't manage a fucking target right so they um they confront him and um the story essentially goes like this punk is in there with um his trainer who's there working for AEW as a coach um ace steel it's punk and ace steel and they're in punk's locker room. the young bucks and the lawyer come in kenny omega's there too Punk's dog is in the locker room as well. This is where the story gets really nutty. This was like such a big thing that even like Moonshot's Marn was like hearing about this from like the hobby drama Reddit. Like it's yeah. fucking crazy. So like these people, like, like Punk and the Young Bucks are like yelling at each other. Punk punches one of the Young Bucks a couple times. Um, you know, th- and then like a fight is starting. Um, Ace Steel goes fucking crazy and hits one of the Young Bucks in the head with a chair. Um, Kenny Omega is just trying to break up the fight that his friends are now in. Ace Steel bites him on the arm and a grown man bites another grown man. And like the funniest part of that to me is that like in a situation where there was a fight backstage and a dog was involved, that the only person that got bit was by a person. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so there's this fucking fight, like a legitimate backstage brawl. And that's why they, the show that this happened at was called All Out. And so it's actually the incident is affectionately referred to by fans as brawl out which i think is so funny like wrestling fans are really good That's at doing amazing. stuff like that like, um anyway so then punk gets suspended um and the young bucks and kenny omega get suspended it's this whole thing and like the rumor is like punk's gonna get fired like they can't have a guy backstage doing this like he went out and like aired all the dirty laundry of the company he bad talked like the some of his like bosses basically um and then he got in a fight like you gotta get rid of that guy well, it turns out, lucky for punk fans like me, he does not get fired. And he returns to the company after um, his suspension is served and he recovers from an in- another injury he got that night. His luck was terrible um, on that front. He comes back, but things are so tense still that they have to make a third television show. Well, I'm actually, I'm not clear if they had to do it. But I, I think I'm getting that slightly wrong. I think they already had interest from, the, from TNT because like AEW's ratings were good. So, hey, can you do more? Can you give us another show? So they made a. I should say this. They have three weekly shows now. They have Dynamite on Wednesdays on TBS and Rampage on Fridays on TNT. 
Um, mm-hmm. And Dynamite's the main show, and Rampage is kind of like a supplemental show. Um, they try to make it feel like they're doing a better job now of making it feel like it, that matters too, so that people don't just like tune out of Rampage. Um, but uh, so then Punk comes back and they launch this new show called Collision. It's going to be on Saturdays. And what they basically have to do, because things are so, tensions are so high backstage, is that they kind of make this little silo where CM Punk and all the people that uh, are okay with working with him are on Collision. And all the people who are not cool with Punk are not allowed to be at Collision, not even backstage. Even Christopher Daniels, who's one of the guys who broke up the fight, he's like the talent like manager. And even he's not allowed to be there because Punk's pissed at him for like the fight stuff. It's insane. Right. Um, uh, we love our petty bitch king, CM Punk. Um, we love petty bitches. Uh, and so, uh, anyway... So yeah, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega are on Dynamite and Rampage exclusively, and Punk and like his friends are on Collision. Like, it's kind of funny in like a way. There's like this this much contention between grown men. It honestly kind of reminds me of the 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 Rock and Vin Diesel feud on Fast and the Furious movies behind the scenes, where like they like hate each other and like would like uh would make sure like, well, I'll let him beat up my character, but only if my character gets an equal amount of punches and we both look like winners in the end. You know that sort of thing. Um, yeah. The hope that everyone had was that eventually, after enough time, Punk and the Young Bucks and Omega were going to be on good enough terms that they could turn the real-life thing that everyone knows about already anyway into a storyline. Because, of course, people would pay to watch those guys have a match because we know that they fought in real life and they had all this drama. It's like, I absolutely want to see the talking segments building that up and the match. It'd be so exciting and cool um, because it has that dose of reality in it. Um, That's usually when wrestling is at its best, when, like, a performer or a storyline is like you know that at least some of it is real and you can buy it um anyway that does not end up happening because at said previous thing of Wembley um the biggest wrestling show of all time it gets overshadowed that achievement gets overshadowed a little little bit because and this is where the story gets really wild so there is a wrestler there named Jungle Boy Jack Perry who is the son of deceased actor Luke Perry of Riverdale and other things fame um, mm-hmm. apparently there is an issue weeks prior that I didn't even hear about, um, until later when this all happened, where Jack Perry wanted to do a thing where he would get slammed through real glass by his opponent. Um, and Punk was kind of just like, as the veteran who's been wrestling for longer than you, uh, I don't think you need to do that. It's unsafe for no reason. Why don't we just use like fake glass? Like no, it's the kind of used in like movies, like candy glass. Um, yeah. the thing that gets on. Jack Perry's nervous about that is that the company, like the bosses, had already approved him to do the spot with the real car and get put through the real glass. And then Punk was telling him no. Um, so that pisses Jack Perry off. So then he does end up doing the thing with the car at the London show, at the biggest show of all time at Wembley. But when he, this is where he, you know, it's funny because it's something that Punk would do, but also it's like a terrible idea and he, they shouldn't have done it. But before he goes up to do the car thing, he goes up to the camera and says, real glass, cry me a river. And like, I didn't, I watched oh, it and I was like, that was no. weird. I like, don't know what he's talking about, but it feels like he was making a reference to something. Oh, well, I'll watch the match keep happening. And then uh, CM Punk has like uh, the, the next match. And then rumors start going on on Twitter while we're watching this. Like Punk was in another backstage fight right before he went out. And I was like, what the fuck? What happened? So what turns out what happened was, Jack Perry does he takes a shot at Punk on camera and then he goes backstage. 
Punk goes up to him and says, do you have a problem with me? And then they get into an argument. Um, Punk pushes Perry. Perry pushes it back. Punk starts to choke him out. And then, like, this is all happening, like, in front of the boss and, like, all this, like, stuff. Like, they're knocking monitors over backstage. Um, Another wrestler is Samoa Joe, who Punk is supposed to wrestle in, like, minutes, has to, like, break it up and is, like, pissed off at Punk and, like, has to try to calm him down. Punk's so mad that he's threatening to to quit. And he's like, I'm not going to wrestle. The biggest wrestling show of all time. He's supposed to go on in minutes. And he's like, fuck this. I'm so tired of this fucking company. Like, everyone keeps, like, causing me problems and, like, getting on my nerves and like this kind of dumb bullshit keeps happening i'm not doing this so then tony Khan has to go scramble around and be like kenny omega and the uh, kenny omega can you do your match that's supposed to go second can y'all go first and they're like oh like i guess like sure um and like joe meanwhile is convincing punk to go out and wrestle um this part okay pause for a second i'm gonna let everyone listen obviously make your own opinions about the man phil brooks cm punk i fucking personally love him even though some of this is like you know, he shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't have, you know, he shouldn't be starting physical altercations with his coworkers, and he should be a better, more responsible adult about it and all that. And he also shouldn't be threatening to not perform um, yeah. when he's on in minutes at a show of that caliber because it would fuck over Joe, his opponent. Like, that would suck ass. And the fans who wanted yeah. to see it. Um, yeah. Anyway, Joe convinces him to do it. He goes out there, tears it up, has a hell of a match. Like, it was great. It was my favorite oh, yeah. match of the whole show. Punk and Joe was great. Um. But anyway, so then when the news gets out, Punk and Perry both get suspended again for Punk's case. Um, and then uh, more information is coming out. And it's like Punk also like apparently like lunged at Tony Khan at one point, his boss, oh, no. and like was yelling at him. And they, th- they think because of like the we don't know all the details yet. Um, but they said that they had like two different legal groups, like review, they had footy, they had security footage of this one. Unlike the first one at, at brawl out this one at, this, yeah. this is hilarious too. Cause the London show is called all in. So this incident is called brawl in. Um, oh, <laughs> are like, we talking about brawl out? It's, or brawl it's amazing. It's like, it's like, and this is where I'm like, I don't get it. I, I, I guess I do. I kind of get where fans who are invested in like the success of the company and maybe they like the other wrestlers more than they like punk. They're like, punk is a backstage cancer and like these things shouldn't be happening and i'm like okay like yeah sure true but like isn't it like kind of insanely entertaining that it is and we all get to hear about it like dude, exactly the one fight involved a guy biting a guy you tell me you don't want to have that in your wrestling company i don't know like to me I, it's like the mess is worth it because the mess well part of it is because the mess is just entertaining on its own but then part of it is like the mess can then lead to better storytelling too because then you can make you can do something with it and you can like tell good stories and make money and make matches people want to see. And it's good pro wrestling. I don't know. That's my mentality. Um, Hey, I've always wanted to see pro wrestlers actually fight each other. And so there are times times it has happened. I could direct you to videos where it is, uh, you know, broken out into actual violence in the ring and stuff. But yeah, um, like, obviously I don't want anyone to get hurt. Yeah. Like, you know, your skill set is literally in like professional stunt work yeah you know, for lack of better terms and uh this to see what that kind of strength and skill set could be used in actual like combat yeah. like if i if zombie apocalypse i want to team up with a wrestler for sure um there is a whole thing that i could tell you about right now that i won't because it's way off topic but um there was a thing called the brawl for all that wwe did where um they had a legitimate boxing tournament with the wrestlers on the wrestling show 
mm-hmm. which is kind of weird because then you're kind of openly acknowledging that like the matches are not real because it's like and these ones are they're really fighting you know it's the you know whatever but like anyway it was a horrible idea and a bunch of people got injured and like careers ended and like it was terrible but Aww. it did happen they did a they did a legitimate combat tournament at one point in boxing with the wrestlers anyway um okay back to punk and stuff yeah so the what everyone was hoping for was that long enough timeline the bucks and omega and punk would kind of like bury the hatchet and then the fans would get a match out of it because even before there was drama between them that you could feed off of cm punk and kenny omega is a dream match just because how good the two are and they've never crossed paths like um so everyone's kind of hoping for that me especially um Mm -hmm. and like when punk is back before the london show he's like he and the Bucks are kind of taking subtle shots at each other. So they're like, ooh, if they're referencing it, then maybe this is going to go somewhere. Maybe it's going to happen. But then, of course, uh, unfortunately, they have footage of this new fight and situation. They have two different legal teams review it. And Tony Khan is given the recommendation that he follows up on to fire CM Punk. And I'm sad about it. <laughs> Lots of people are happy and glad about it. But like, I, I'm like, this sucks. Like, Punk's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. Uh, he's great for the show. Um, he's a great draw for the company. He's a big star. He's very entertaining, great wrestler. And also, I have to admit, I like his messy antics. They're fun to me. Um, we love a messy bitch. Yeah. Come on. But uh, anyway, so he's gone now, and uh, I'm sad. So uh, the rumors are that the lock- locker room is much uh, less dramatic now. Um, so good for the guys that were having a hard time with that. Um, anyway, that's all of that. Um yeah, so part of the selling point to me for AEW is that the backstage stuff is really interesting a lot of the times. Um, yeah. But, uh, okay, um, I'm, ra- I'm getting close to wrapping up here. Uh, okay. I'm going to do a little bit of, like, critiques because I want to be, like, fair. I don't want to just, like, you know, geek out. Like, this is the best company ever and they do nothing wrong and whatever. Um, their women's division is not great. Um, the talent's very good, but they don't get nearly as much attention as WWE gives to their women's division, which is kind of insane because for years, WWE was like horribly misogynistic. And so the fact that your yeah. women's division is like given less time and spotlight than WWE's is like pretty damning. Um, it's, it's honestly one of the biggest reasons why my wife is not as into AEW because they don't prioritize the women as much. So yeah. if you are a fan of women's wrestling in particular, I would say you should watch WWE instead of AEW. But from just Rhea about everyone Ripley. else... It, in I terms of just about her. everyone else, I would suggest AEW over WWE. But in that regard, like, yeah, WWE is doing that much better. Um, another reason my wife isn't as big on it is there's too much blood for them. Because um, WWE tends to avoid blood for the most part these days. And uh, AEW absolutely does not. John Moxley bleeds to an almost comedic amount where it's like every other week he's, <laughs> he's you know, bleeding and whatever else. Um, yeah. So that's part of the thing some people might not like about it um and then the one thing that kind of bugs me those are two things that like the women's division thing does bother me um the blood thing doesn't really um i think it's a valid criticism but i don't really mind um and then uh the one thing that 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 another thing that does bother me though that i would say they're not always the best at getting their stories across to the full degree that they could from a week-to-week basis, and in the video packages they'll show before matches on the pay-per-view. So, for comparison, WWE puts together, like, these, like, incredibly produced little recap videos, basically, to fill you in on the story so far, 
during the pay-per-view so that you can get hyped for the match you're about to see happen in case you haven't been mm-hmm. watching or if you just want to you know, relive the moments that have led to this, right? AEW yeah. does them too, and they have their own unique style for them, which I do appreciate because they're trying to be different from WWE instead of just copying them. But I don't always feel like they include everything that I think I would include, right? And the same with like the commentary sometimes. Like they'll be talking about a storyline going on, and I'm like, oh, but you're not mentioning this part that I think is really like important to the story. And so like that's something that I think they could do better on. Um like I kind of I kind of feel like a lot of times you'd get you'd need someone like me there to be able to tell you mm-hmm. details they're leaving out. Um, so I That's hope they. That's what I'm saying. I hope they get, get yourself better. A wrestling friend. Yeah, it's it's true. I I hope that they improve on that regard at some point. But um, anyway, those are the sort of big dings that I would put on AEW. And if any of those things would be deal breakers for you, then like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't recommend it to you. But if everything else I've said up to this point has sounded interesting and cool and entertaining, then I highly encourage you to check out um, All Elite Wrestling. Um, so like I said, they have three weekly shows, uh, Dynamite on TBS on Wednesday nights, Rampage on Friday nights on TNT, and Collision on Saturday nights on TNT. If you want it in smaller doses, like you want to give it a try and you don't want to watch a whole episode, um, they put parts of each episode of those shows on their YouTube channel. And it's like you watch like the last few minutes of the matches. And then usually they'll, inc- they'll usually include all like the, the talking stuff in its entirety. So you don't miss any of that. And then they'll just do like the last three minutes of all the matches. So you get to see like the the big the biggest, most exciting stuff that happened and how it ends, right? Like so that mm-hmm. you can kind of keep up with the show that way. Like you could be a fan and only watch the YouTube channel. You'd miss a lot, but you'd also like you'd know what's going on. Like you'd you'd enjoy yourself. Um and I sometimes do that if I get if I miss the show and I'm like not feeling like watching the whole thing, I'll watch the the YouTube videos. Um but then of course like we said, then they, all of this the weekly shows lead up to the pay-per-views where like the big matches happen and those you can get on Bleacher Report. Um, you have to pay for them and it is kind of pricey. But the thing that I didn't realize, and I would have been buying the pay-per-views that they do much sooner if I would have known this, when you buy it, you're not only paying to watch it live, but you also do then get to keep the pay-per-view in your library and watch it again whenever you want on Bleacher Report. Mm-hmm. So the way I think of it is like, oh, it's actually not, the price isn't actually that bad then because you have the price of seeing the live event and then the price of essentially like a, a digital download, basically like yeah. the access to it, like on a streamer. Um, so anyway, uh, thank you for letting me ramble for uh, an hour and 51 minutes about my favorite wrestling company. Um, I have a lot of friends there, so I'm, it's really exciting on another level too, to watch the company succeed and stuff. Um, and I just think that um, people might like it if they give it a try. And I want to see more, more people discover AEW so that they can stick it to fucking WWE. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope that someone listening to this uh, checks it out. And if not, I hope people enjoyed listening to this. Um, and thank you, Aroma, for uh, letting me yell in your ear. Oh, absolutely. Uh, honestly, uh, in, in two invitations, one, you're always allowed to just like grab me by the collar and just tell me wrestling things because I'll just sit down with my little bag of popcorn and nod my head. You're like, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then two, um, obviously you are 100% uh, welcome to return next season. If uh, say we get more backstage drama, I need you to come back and pour the tea. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Absolutely. 
um maybe we'll just do a whole episode on mjf who knows i'm, um, I'm kind of thinking now because actually someone who is a friend of one of my friends from the wrestling business like um recently was a was a like wrestling journalist and podcaster and recently got hired for aw and while i was doing that spiel about how you could watch it at the end i was like man i'm fucking really selling off for these people they should be paying me for this hey I've, I've, there's no you could always give it a shot what are they gonna do say no <laughs> yeah hey hey you shoot your you shot your shot uh, you um, know i do know people i am connected you are connected and then um then i you you will take me to the wrestling show there you go and then we'll get to watch wrestling um holy shit like i am every at the end of every episode i get uh this like nice little glow this nice little post info dump high and then i was notified that that's in fact serotonin oh, nice. so i have been serotonin so thank you gotta love serotonin um oh, man i think i i got a couple of questions um a bruin but they're all fighting each other at once in the uh in the locker room and there's a dog there <laughs> but uh let's see so we talked a lot about modern wrestlers yeah. and you know the qualities that we like about them mm -hmm. is there a wrestler of old if you will that um really sticks out to you like it could be uh wcw days like there's there's a lot of options of uh i don't want to call them old timey because it's they're not that old some of them are but maybe a hall of famer that uh really sticks out to you yeah, um, my favorite wrestler of all time is Shawn Michaels, the Heartbreak Kid. Um, he was a wrestler in the, in mostly known in the, the 80s and 90s, and then he had a um, back injury that led him to retire for four years, and then he came back from retirement and it was even better than he already was when he was there consistently. And he had like, like then he he was in the com the company for another, God, uh, almost twelve, almost ten years, um, and just like. It was the best. Like, Shawn Michaels has never had a bad match. He's so good at the art of selling, like, the, like, acting out the pain, you know, like, making, like, uh, you know, like, you, you get hit and you sell it. Like, he's yeah. maybe the best seller of all time. Um, he was an innovator in the ring. He innovated for small guys to be taken seriously as wrestlers. Um, Sean's just the fucking goat. He's the goat. Um, oh yeah, um, I've heard so many good things. I've watched my sh my share of documentaries on the man. Absolutely yeah. incredible. Yeah, he to me, Shawn Michaels is the Michael Jordan of of wrestling. Like I, I would, I would even if someone did come along because I'm like a LeBron James guy. Um, even if someone did come around who like could arguably be said to be uh, a, you know, better than Shawn Michaels, I would have a hard time accepting it because it's just like Shawn is just like he's the guy to me. He's 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 the best. Yeah. Are you though? But oh there's there's a few guys like that that I that I like really really hold in high esteem. Um, Edge and Christian are two more. Oh, I um, love them. Yeah, Eddie Guerrero, all time great. Um, yeah. Good. Oh man. Yeah, I all of those names, household names, we love them. I, love I have more that them. I could do that are in my top 10 of like my favorites and who I think are some of the best of all time, but I don't want to give them attention because they're problematic as people. Understandable. Yeah. Um, so then my other question I have is, so there's a shit ton of wrestling moves. A lot of them are the same move with a different branded name slapped onto it. But if you had to just pick a 
one or maybe a small handful of moves that you really enjoy, whether as as a viewer or as somebody who's done the move? Like, oh, interesting. Like for ex- yeah, like, is there a move in particular that you really, really like, like, like to see or like to do? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna give you two. There's one that I think fits both. My favorite wrestling move is probably the RKO, um, Randy Orton's finisher. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the RKO you, out of nowhere. You might have seen it in the meme form as the RKO out of nowhere. Like people would like edit it into like videos of people falling into pools and you know tripping on stairs and stuff. Um, but mm-hmm. um, I don't know something. I don't really. It's funny because like when you try to get into the, the weeds of explaining why a wrestling move is cool to you, it's like I don't. It just I don't know. It's weird because it's like. Yeah, I just love that, like, you jump up and grab someone around the head and then you land on your back and they then you, like, pull them down onto their face. Like, it, like saying that sounds like, wh- I don't know what's so cool about that, but it, like, it just looks awesome. It looks really cool. It does look awesome. Um, the fact that you can hit it from out of nowhere, as much as it's, like, a meme dumped to death, like, that is a cool element of the move. The fact that you can do it to anybody, um, no matter of, like, size difference. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It just looks cool. I love the RKO. Um, and that is one that I think is like dope to watch. And I love doing it. Like um, I didn't, I don't know if I ever hit one in my pro career, but it was one of my finishers in my backyard days. Um, mm-hmm. I would do, I would do the RKO. Um, and then one of my favorite moves just to do is a pretty basic one, but like it's one that like it, it, it never gets old really. It's always cool. And it's one that really does like, it's what we were talking about earlier, like normal people watching go, oh, wow, holy shit. Like, um, it's great because it's one of the few athletic looking things that I could do as a wrestler. <laughs> I was not very, I, I was not the most athletic wrestler in the world. Um, but the tilt to roll head scissors is a cool move that's very, very fun to do. That's probably my favorite move to do. Are you familiar with that one, I kn- Romy? I don't think so. I had to like run, you know, like the Rolodexes that you would yeah. keep people's phone numbers yeah. and i had to do that for a second and be like no wait i don't know what that is but i'm trying to imagine i'm gonna grab a, using a context youtube clues. video for you well i'll be able to perceive it oh we i got will it okay here. Be able to perceive it copy link put in here there you go oh oh yeah i love that one yeah that is something that i wish i could do and so maybe you'll have to teach me how to do it but yeah. like that shit feels like some uh honeypot spy shit yeah it's so cool actually you know what it's funny you say that because yeah like um a lot of wrestling moves do get ripped off for like marvel movies as things for black widow to do (laughs) like things things like that like all the time it's like oh there's a head scissors there's a hurricane rana like yep oh okay and i think i have one more question you don't have to answer this one and we can cut it if you don't want to sure um but so um as we all know, you've had you've had uh, a lot of experience in the wrestling industry and you've had there. There's been, um, I'm assuming, different characters and different uh, roles and uh, gimmicks that you've done. But if you say you, you're you're ready to go, you're we, we got you full athletic status, you're in the ring or not, maybe not in the ring. But like if you were what would your gimmick be in the year 2023 if that was an option you oh had? interesting I hope that makes- yeah so like you're saying like, like would i like would i do a new character and what would that be or would i use my old character and describe what yeah. that is okay yeah. well okay I, i'm gonna answer both actually because if i were to come back to wrestling i would be my same character but i would bring in new things because honestly it's one of the saddest things is like fuck like if okay actually this i'll say this too 
I quit wrestling partially because like the the destination was no longer something that like lined up with like what I loved and fell in love with. I quit wrestling like right before AEW started. And if if a, if if that timing had not worked out that way, I probably wouldn't have quit. I probably would have tried to get to AEW because that is a place where it's like, yes, that is the wrestling that I love. I would love to try to perform there. Like, whereas WWE, I was pretty disillusioned with at the time. And at the time, they were the monopoly. They were the only option, really, for a, a way to make a living in wrestling. So I was like, ah, fuck this. I'll get out. Um, but um, that being said, um, if I were to come back to wrestling, I would probably resume my character as Death Machine Rob Matter because uh, I had, like, you know, momentum built up and people liked my my shtick and all that. Um, my mm-hmm. character, for those who have never heard me talk about it, um, because I'm a short, skinny guy, um, I use that to my advantage. Instead, of, I turn my weakness into a strength because I made a character that is a little guy who thinks he's a big, jacked, strong guy. Um, and so I would like, you know, talk all this big shit and I would try to like pick people up and slam them, but I couldn't lift them because they were too heavy. And like, I would get announced at a way higher weight and taller height than I actually was. And like, um, you know, like that sort of thing. It was like a, a comedy bad guy character that eventually morphed into a really great good guy character because people were entertained by me and, um, started to like me and they loved chanting death machine. Like, you know, the idea of like a little guy calling himself death machine is like, I think pretty easy to like get behind in a way once oh, you've yeah. gotten used to it and seen him as a bad guy first um and um and then at that point i could transition my character being okay i'm still a small like kind of uh guy who thinks he's bigger and tougher than he is but i'll channel this into now being like a sort of like aggressive underdog where like um now i will occasionally actually succeed once a match in picking my opponent up and doing a power move and then the crowd goes crazy and like i would do a thing where i was afraid of jumping off the top rope this is another thing where it's like i made i'm gonna pat myself on the back here i I like less is the less is more approach where it's like okay other guys can do way cooler dives than me so what can i do well if i pretend that i'm afraid of height actually i'm afraid of heights in reality but like if i exaggerate my fear of heights i gotta climb up the top rope i want to do a dive come back down like no no no, i can't do it and the fans are like oh come on like do it and then i'm like fuck it i'm gonna do it and then i go up and then i do a basic flip dive it becomes 10 times cooler than if i would have just gone up and done the flip dive you know like yeah because i made them like care about it with my character um yeah anyway so i would do that again but i would also incorporate a lot of things that i've like learned just from watching so much wrestling since becoming it because like I said I mentioned being bitter and stuff i didn't watch wrestling for years i like i didn't like it anymore i watched the old stuff but i didn't watch current stuff so it's been kind of fun getting to be a fan again with AEW. yeah um but it's also kind of annoying because it's like i'm learning so much about the craft from watching and studying it that i can't do anything with because i'm not a wrestler anymore um so i would i would i would one thing i would do is like i would um i would make my character more aggressive i would i would i would make up for my size by using more like ground and pound sort of like mat wrestling and striking kind of thing like um and also um doing appearances at wrestling shows as a manager one just to like try to like help out like younger guys who i could pass on some of my knowledge to and also just because mm-hmm. i miss wrestling sometimes and it'd be fun but i could do it without risking my more injuries and stuff because there's another reason to left um because mm-hmm. concussions are a hell of a drug um oh yeah. but then also like oh i should just do it i there are places where i could feasibly 
do this idea and i think it'd be really fun i'm going one i'm encouraging you to do it or at least to give it a shot and two um i need to see it yeah so the, the you let me know i i'll put myself into a deficit so i can see it <laughs> thank you hell yeah um oh, man but yeah i'll be putting it in the discord but if anyone wants to check out my wrestling stuff i have a youtube channel that i am like slowly but surely um updating with like a bunch of old stuff that i feel like i can post now without companies getting mad at me for like giving away their product for free you know um yeah because i've been retired for like five years so um uh my youtube channel is rob matter wrestling um and uh, i'll put it in the discord and stuff but yeah you can see uh you can see what was my life for a long time my 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 pride and joy my body of work of accomplishing my dream and you know traveling the world and stuff and then you accidentally get a fan base and uh from this discord that'd be amazing if i became more popular (laughs) actually you know what funny story about that while we're doing a long ass podcast anyway um so i i i let slip that i used to be a wrestler to my students and so one of my oh, no. students found because like the thing is like they'll ask my name and I'll just tell them, but I'll forget that like students have access to YouTube and they can remember the name and search for it. And it's like, oh shit. But like one of my students right now, I work at a school, um, and one of my students will go and comment on my videos when I put up a new one. It's like that Rob Matter guy sure is cool. I heard he has a cool student, you know, it's like just like it's really it's kind of cute. That's so sweet. Yeah, but he watches like all my stuff. Like he's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of funny to have that dedicated of a fan. Like, where were you when I was actually doing it? We got to get him a number one Rob Matter fan shirt. Yeah, yeah. You can, hey, you know what? You can still buy a, um, not a Rob Matter individual shirt, but my tag, oh, this is, I should have mentioned this when I was pitching my character. I was part of a tag team with my best friend, Stevie Fierce. We were a tag team called Beauty and the Beast. And the, 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 the joke was that I was the beast, even though I was smaller and less muscular and stuff. So you can still actually get a Beauty and the Beast t-shirt. Um, through um pro wrestling tees um the only kicker there is i only get seven bucks out of it but hey seven bucks i wouldn't have otherwise seven dollars is still seven dollars oh oh my goodness i'm this has been wonderful yeah it's been really fun i'm literally withholding like the urge to then go on the long-winded like well these are all the different wrestling gimmicks i've thought of (laughs) that are like really supremely half-baked borderline raw but that's a that's for next season maybe roma i will tell you this and i'll maybe fuck it we'll leave it in the audience in in the episode maybe so the audience can let you know if they'd be interested in this but um so i want to at some point make a documentary about my backyard wrestling group and one of the Mm -hmm. ways that i've wanted to do that is to do a um like a little round table where just like me and a couple other people who are part of it like just like talk about it um to get things out of it like memories that might not get jogged from individual interviews and it's like if you wanted like you could like be the host of it and you could like let we could hyper fixate on your podcast about our back wrestling days and you could like ask questions or whatever and then we could use that um you know oh no shit i'd want that to be never mind i couldn't do it that way but like let me Okay, let me rephrase. You know, you know what? Yeah, yeah no, no, go, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say that might not work out because of the logistics of the. I, I want to be able to like record us in person doing it. But what I will say is, I would happily come back and do an episode talking about like my wrestling days, backyard pro or both. You know, if you wanted to. Absolutely, and um, I mean, if it's a in person thing, and we plan it out right, I would absolutely be ecstatic to be a host i would do it i would be real silly for it (laughs) 
half these people wouldn't know who I was. Yeah, but I would yeah. be like, we're friends now. This is how it's going. Yeah, it'd be great. Oh, and actually, this we can cut this out too, but um, you, you said you're writing your book. Yeah. My brain went into we're making it a video documentary now with uh, the exaggerated um, reenactments. Oh, yes. <laughs> and so I'll that, give you license to do that. It's it's that funny. My, so fun. my father-in-law is always like, I'll tell him about the book. And it's like, yeah, but like, when are you going to make it a movie? And I was like, oh, I mean, like, I can try, but that seems harder. Like, Or even like a YouTube series. Yeah. Like, that's feasible. I, that do, would be- I do have on my YouTube channel a mini documentary about my wrestling career that I made while I was still wrestling and while I was in film school. Um, which is a really interesting one because it's got no wrestling footage and it is sliced between it's it's cutting between footage that I took on the road, um, and footage of my dad talking about what he thinks of my wrestling career. It's very that's beautiful, unique, uh, sort of thing. But it's interesting though because he didn't approve. I yeah, actually, that reminds me, we need to get your dad on the show. Yeah, that's true. He did say he wanted to be on the show. Yeah, moonshot parents. <laughs> None if, of them are safe. If, if any of this is going to make it in, I'll just add this for listeners' sake. Um, it, it's it's all good now. At my wedding that Romo was at, uh, Romo got to see my dad do a speech where he kind of publicly admitted that he's glad that he didn't talk me out of wrestling because that led to me meeting my wife and stuff. So it's mm-hmm. really cool. That was so sweet. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness! It's been a good story. It's been a good Very story. Good story. Um. Let's see. I think I think I think this might be a good good place to to end unless you have any other closing thoughts. No, my throat is destroyed. Oh, no. Well, um, I know we've you've plugged. Well, we you I have plugged your stuff already, but just so it's a a nice, nice little package deal. Yeah. uh, Where can we find you on the Internet? Okay, you do. You can find me on social media at Topher Disgrace in most places. My Instagram is Chris D. Hutton. my YouTube channel, like I said, is Rob Matter Wrestling. Um, I'm not going to give you my backyard wrestling channel because I got to keep that somewhat like, you know, it's like that's videos of me from since I was like 13 years old. Like, I can't just be giving that to anybody. Um, <laughs> but you can, yeah, Rob Matter Wrestling is where my pro stuff lives. Um, and then if you want to support what I'm currently doing um, as a comic book writer and writer of other things, um, ChrisDHutton.com has actually that has the wrestling stuff on it too. ChrisDHutton.com is my website and that's where like everything that i do and have done you can be found yes go there listeners go there explore buy comics some of my comics are free too um but yeah buying and donating would be appreciated as well but if you want to just check my stuff out i'd be happy to have uh roma's audience be readers of my work i'm gonna do my best to, to to put this in here because i didn't do it in episode um, you can find me on the internet at I appreciate your butt at the twitter.com. That is I A P P R E C I, the number A T U R B U T T. Um, you could also find me with that handle at TikTok, but you'll find me more at the Hyperfix Pod at the TikToks. Um, I post TikToks there pretty frequently. Um, and you know what? We're we also do a little bit of streaming. You should check us out at twitch.tv forward slash I appreciate your butt as well. But if we're not streaming there, um, you should check out our network. Thank you to the Moonshot Network for letting us do Moonshot things. You can find them at uh, Twitter.com or Blue Sky at Moonshot Pods or Twitch.tv slash Moonshot Network. If you want to find uh, their YouTube or a Twitch in a more fun way, go to Moonshot.mov, M-O-V. Um, we have a website too, MoonshotPods.com. Check that shit out. 
Um, but if you want to support our podcast more directly, uh, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the hyperfixation, where you can get episodes up to five days early and just, you know, exclusive insights and early access to the Discord channels to talk about the episodes. Um, but if you wanted to support the podcast and have something to take home with you, check out our Red Bubble store. Um, I post stuff that you could buy. <laughs> That's that would be cool. <laughs> um, but this whole thing is just isn't possible without our patrons, right? Exactly. Um, I want to especially thank and introduce our newest patron, uh, Morgan Gate Levin. Uh, punch me in the face if I pronounce that wrong. Um, but thank you. Welcome to the party. We love you. We appreciate you. Um, we also have here at our party Flo, and we also have Ken. You know, we gotta love the homies out here, um, especially when one of those homies is Becky Scott Fairley, and most importantly, but not in a hierarchical sense, but in the sense of Ver's been here for a long time. So Ver, thank you. It was also a pleasure at the stream the other day. Thank you. Um, thank you again, everybody. We love you. We appreciate you. We think about you. Thank you for existing. And now, back to the episode. Absolutely. <laughs> CM Punk. CM Punk. CM Punk. CM Punk. <laughs> <laughs>